Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Thank you for joining us for Season 18, Episode 17 of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Uh, hi, I'm Stork. There's a camera right there. <laughs> I'm Jim. Uh, you're next. Uh, I'm Mike. And uh, this is a uh, going to be a slightly different episode of Happy Church RPG Podcast. We're not going to, uh, well, we might do a couple emails if you guys are game for it later on, if we don't run too late. Um, you're sick. I'm a little under the weather. Under, yeah. I'm a little under the weather, and uh, but, I'm, but we're here. He and I are fine. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. I'm just naturally surly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, Diseases uh, come up to us and they go, so, like, sorry, we didn't mean to bother you, and they leave, yeah. It's like, we're intimidated by your sheer presence. But as you can <laughs> see on, if, if you're watching this live, then you can see this on the screen. If not, I will introduce the uh, Mike James, and what, what, is your, what is your title with, with uh, Strategicon? I'm the Miniatures Director of Strategicon. He's also the Secretary of the board. And the Secretary, and in charge of logistics, but... That's the point. You wear a lot of hats. miniatures. I mean, they might just sit there for most of the time, really. It's well, actually, really frustrating it's just job. scaled down from handling oh. the larger stuff. Ah. <laughs> Pretty much. It fits in boxes easier. There's yeah. a lot of pointing involved. Yeah. For a long time. With a very long stick. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool if there was a miniatures game that actually used one of those sticks, like from yeah. World War II paintballs. Right. Just like, right? Eh. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Our bombers are coming in from the north, and then you are. Well, long sticks. John kind of did with his. Uh, Recreation of Pearl Harbor. Oh yeah, or, or, or uh, Midway. Yeah, I remember. They did like that. a double blind Midway game with planes and all that kind of stuff. It was ridiculous. Oh, so they had two separate maps, so yep. they could see the other guys. That's exactly. awesome. There's, well, there's the whole thing was them discovering each other. That was the actual, you know, pretty much, yeah. Part that was the actual drama, dramatic part of the combat. So yeah, they had the big map. They had the the tactical map, the strategic map, and they had to send out all their scout planes, figure out what they had on cap. It was really pretty involved, and it was actually a lot of fun, and, and yeah. we've done it three times, and it's ended up really bad from records. Using twice. the general quarter system. General quarters, yeah, general quarters three. But he had all the stuff that was actually at Midway on both sides, and it was... Really no cool. kidding. How yeah. long did it take to run something like that? Uh, about between six to eight hours, give or take. Oh, that... Oh, I, I thought this was like a spanning the whole... Well the, the, well, the thing is, the game is huge, really, but the, what what happened is the system is, although complex, it's been parsed down to be a little bit more simple for the for the convention-goer. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, so, okay. so really, what the only thing is, you, when, once you get into the rim of it, you, you plot your course that you're going to do the next turn, and everybody does that blind. Okay. So how you do, don't know... How do you do that? That's what you I basically write ask. down the, the, how many, how many uh, knots you're moving forward... The degree of your turn, and then how many? Right for each for each one of your squadrons or whatever. Well, for each one of your yeah. ships, really. Well, and not only that is because the actual table portion of it was really just for the fleet actions. Everything else was handled on just large scale maps and separately. So the people on one side of the room and tons of people on the other side of the yeah. room, and yep. the guy would go back and forth. Well, that's what they do is they would kind of plot their stuff, turn it all in secret, and then he would figure out where everything was and say, "Okay, here is what you did or did not see or anything else." And he kind of handles wow. what. Yeah, at that point, it, it's. He did a pretty good job of distilling it into like a compressed time scale just for the searching part sure. of it. Sure. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, when stuff goes crazy, all of a sudden it's like, okay, now all these Japanese wings come up on your side and you know, then yeah, once, stuff gets yeah, crazy. Once, once they find each it other. It can't be much of a surprise that they must realize at some point that they're playing against each other. <coughs> Oh, they know they're playing well, against they know, each other. They, they, they just don't know where each other and is. The thing is right. they, so they know okay, absolutely what the, other, right. what the other side has. It's all historically accurate. The, the question is... It's because there was a randomizer as to where those positions were versus, you know... I see. Um, yeah, and, and on top of that, it's one of those things where, you know, because the last time we did it, the Americans really got burned because they thought they had the Japanese pinned down, but it was a smaller fleet that had split off. 
And so they absolutely hammered the crap out of that one. But in, in that time scale, too, to do that, the Japanese come with the pants down. Came in, yeah, came no in out of the sun. Pretty much, yeah. They, they found their main fleet, which had almost no protection, and yeah, it was all bad. It was all bad for Americans, but that's... How many people were playing this when you... When you uh, that was 10, I think. Oh, no kidding. I think it's set up for a max of 16, but most people don't want to devote that much time to edit. Yeah, but that's only one of the very few things that, uh, that the convention has to offer outside of, you know... Outside of the role-playing community, and yeah. there's a lot of really interesting things that that, that go on, that would have uh, intrinsic appeal to anybody that likes, you know, whether they like history or, or just like uh, a good narrative. Because if you ever follow the story of Midway, it's a fantastic. Narrative. That, and that kind of segues into we never actually finished our introductions. Like, who that's are you right. guys, and why oh, are you guys sorry. here? <laughs> no, no, that's cool. Uh, that's I'm Jim, and I've been around before. That I'm the director of RPGs. I'm gonna go uh, get a bar collar real quick. At Strategicon, and that's where I was going with this, which is yeah. like you guys are running. Divisions at the con. Yeah, we are we are uh, we are uh, official volunteers and uh, in leadership roles. At the in case you guys watching at home didn't get that, yeah, that's why he was speaking with such expertise about his role at yeah. the con because <laughs> yeah. these guys are dealing with guns. And you, uh, what do you do at the con? I am the director of RPGs, uh, and I basically run all of the RPGs in uh, in the convention outside of Pathfinder Society and Adventurers League. So I handle non-organized game. And for those of you on the forum, you guys have seen him. He's posted a couple of times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your handle is? Uh, plus 10 to awesome. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or plus X2A, actually. <laughs> Ew, yes. Plus X2A on the... Yeah. Um, so I got to ask you. Gamers are not necessarily the... I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? They, they, tend, they tend to sort of march to their own drummer. And you have the dubious responsibility of trying to herd them... In, and make sure they follow rules and show up on time and do things. How is it you're able to make that happen without, with, with, within the constraints? I mean, it, it seems it seems like a thankless job to me. It, it well, technically, it is kind of a thankless job. I, because, but I don't do it for thanks. Do, do you? I, no, I, I, I do it because I love the community. Um, and I think that when you genuinely have a respect for the community and you really want to work with people to ensure that uh, they have the best time that they possibly can. Uh, once you actually adequately communicate that to you know your your set of other volunteers that you're there to resolve issues, you're there to help them, you're there to make sure that they're having the best time they possibly can, you'd be surprised how willing they are to work with you. Wait, wait, wait! You guys are gamers and you have communication skills. We do, yes. Weird, right? Totally. It's very, very. Well, um, I work in the legal field, so I I kind of have to. No, not necessarily. That, that could actually be a detriment. <laughs> that people actually understand you. Uh, logical, people, logical people would think that it's that, that it's that it's helpful, but I, I, I see your point. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it, when I started off, which really was only like a couple of years ago, um, I have to say when I first started off, it was very difficult because it was very difficult for me to reach out to the community. Uh, there was no real forum. Uh, no real good email list. There wasn't a lot of resource for me to reach out uh, to larger groups of people that attend and volunteer at the con. Um, and well, I started generating my own email lists, and I and you guys were so kind to actually give me my own section in the Happy Jacks forum, which has been fantastic. Uh, the amount of feedback that I've gotten from there, and just being able to generally announce things. Our, our fans place. are very vocal and pr and pretty wordy. They're they're very good with their feedback. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not just rants. Sometimes we get that. Well, yeah. But really, it was me trying to ferret out every, every single option that I had to open up uh, a, a dialogue. And uh, that's really where I came from. And I think that's been the core of my success is the fact that 
um, on a first name basis with most of the GMs that run. Mm -hmm. um, I communicate with them back and forth, they, you know, and and um, I find that the 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 most taxing, and I'm not to say difficult. It's just a little. It takes a little bit more time. Is dealing with newer GMs that don't know the time slots and don't know how the things actually work. Uh, but usually when I contact them, I says, oh, okay, you know, I, I, this is a really interesting game. And, and I start every single email with, thanks for running it at Strategicon. Right. And one of the first emails I got back from a GM is, I've been running games for 20 years. I've been running them for 20 years. You don't understand. And I've nobody been here for 20 has years. ever thanked me <laughs> for running games at the convention. Is that Gary Mack? Uh, no, but uh, I, I, I had a conversation about that with, with Gary, actually. Gary's a nice guy. I yeah, like Gary's him. a nice guy. He runs the best tune game ever. Oh. Gary, if you're listening, he, he doesn't listen, but uh, he's, he's an inspirational GM. Every time I've ever game with him, it's been amazing. Do you find it different on your end, doing miniatures and, st and strategy stuff? Is it a different type of uh, player that shows up? I, I, I think so, because there's to run a miniatures game, there's a lot Sorry. more just logistics involved to it. Mm -hmm. So people who really want to do it, really, really want to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's cool, and it's, it's great, because then you end up with, you know... What we've been fighting is because miniatures were kind of left to wither on the vine yeah, for, kind for of years. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And so I've, I've gone through and, and, and... Well, to be fair, people don't have the patience and the time and the time commitment for a miniatures strategy game anymore because it takes six to eight hours. Depending on the game, though. Well, that's, in that one, yes. It, it in, could in even case. be ten. I remember as a kid, some of these things lasted That's because we were reading the rules. Why no, we're because you, you had like these giant <laughs> stacks of... You have those of, gigantic like, apocalypse games that go on for two I, days. I, I do. I, I literally yeah. have, at every almost every con, we've got a Warhammer 40K apocalypse game, which yeah. is the giant scale. Yeah. Huge, but it's a two-day game. Yeah, but oh, those okay. things, it's, yeah. it's not better or worse. It's uh, just Well, technically three. They set up Friday... And they start at 9 to 9 on Saturday and 9 to usually 8 or 9 on Sunday. No, they don't set it up. They just know it's going to take time. But, but that's the thing about the strategies. It, 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 there's a, it takes a long time to, to think about this stuff. Tactics, you have to talk. And Not necessarily, it, it, though, because there's a whole bunch of games. The, the, okay, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, just, okay, the basics are we have three kinds of games to get run at con, in the miniatures department anyway. Mm -hmm. There are tournaments, okay? Mm -hmm. In a tournament, of course, you have to bring all your own stuff, and, but you, you generally know the rules, and there's multiple rounds, and... Some tournaments are relatively short because some of these games, miniatures companies have realized that look, nobody wants to down for like nine hours to sleep play a miniatures game anymore. Okay? We don't got ADD. We can't. We just we just nine well, hours. Some people like to do it. And those are the people you generally don't want to play with. But um, uh, they also have gone to away from you know these big huge games with all these stuff. Where you know for the last few years it's been like skirmish stuff. You may have six, maybe eight models aside. <laughs> Okay, a game can take an hour, maybe an hour and a half, two for the long ones. Okay. Yeah, like playing old school Malifaux. I mean, yeah. it was an hour game, and it was super exactly. Fun. There's, there's, there's like Malifaux. You know, uh, even War Machine so at, more... at, at the two hundred point scale, it can be played in, in a half hour. That it gets pretty small, <laughs> and then there's so many more. Barbatech. I guess. RPG tactics. RPG tactics, but there's but then there's some some crossovers now too, where there's a lot of games where, you know, they removed the. I guess like the the difficult move. You don't need a, a, a tape measure anymore. It's all on squares, or you know, it's it's a it's it's board Excellent. game based yeah. with miniatures. So you kind of get both best of both worlds. You see the modeling aspect of it, and those games play really quick. Well, you see the the current edition of 40k, and that's sort of like the last old dog in the shed. You know what I'm saying? It's I think like, so. But um, even they're going that way. Yeah, they've got the a lot of these two-hour board Age of Sigmar games. turned all of Warhammer Fantasy into a skirmish game with fantastic And, and Warhammer's huge. And Warhammer's huge. And, and everybody huge said that they were stabbing themselves in the face doing that. But it's turned out fairly okay. And, and rumor is that's where they're going with 40K as well. Well, that's already a skirmish game. But it'd be nice, yeah. it'd be nice to see 40K 
scale back because the larger and bigger stuff is actually why I got out of it after playing for over well over 20 years. I'm like, wow. it's getting big. Yeah. You, know, you got the knights out at that scale, and you got. No, I went the other way. When I started getting into historical stuff, it was like, you know, I, I play a game called Force on Force. It's twenty millimeter. It's it, any any theater you want. I play kind of a modern day version of it, and at twenty millimeter on a six by four table, I can get three city blocks. You okay. know, whereas in a forty k game, you have one titan and a tank, maybe a flyer, and like the entire table looks cluttered. It's yeah, ridiculous. It yeah, so. <laughs> No, you, know. you were saying you had three different... Okay. So, so there's the so, tournaments where you have to have right. your own stuff. Then there's just a demo where it's like, hey, sit down, I'll teach you for 20 minutes, here's how the game plays. Okay. And we have a whole series of just, we call events, where basically the guy running it brings everything. And it's usually <coughs> come kind of a story-based game where there's, you know, they give you some background in it, you've got a mission to accomplish, and it's a full-on game, but you don't have to bring anything. And those can last between two to four hours. Sure. Yeah, they'll tell you straight up how long they expect it to take. And most of the time, you can just walk up, play a couple of rounds, and walk away afterwards. Exactly. These guys are really just loosey-goosey about it. And they're just basically trying to uh, garner interest in their hobby. Yeah. Well, and that's now, cool. They're passionate about it, and they really want to share that, exactly. that passion and spread the... Is that, is that usually people who are just, like, really fans of the game? Or is it sometimes the developers? It's rarely the developers, at least yeah. in our convention. Uh, I mean, we sometimes get a, we have Well, we get... Because the, the developers are... are, 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 are behind it it's, it's usually more the demo stuff like we get uh most of the miniatures games where it's like just this just, just run demos okay so you're gonna get here's your guys here's the basis of the rules play a half hour you know hey that's how you play and most of those guys okay. are kickstarter guys usually yeah I find. Um, oh really but, although we're starting to get to the nowadays, point where the convention yeah. is getting large enough where we're actually getting some attention from some of the larger companies and that might change like, currently, I have Chaosium very interested in this convention and doing it as a West Coast hub for their organized play. About time. Here, here. Uh, so we have, like, a dozen 7th uh, edition uh, Call of Cthulhu games that have prize support from Chaosium. Yeah, I remember you put, out yeah. the, you put out the call saying yeah. that they were interested in supporting games. Yeah, well, they, they asked me, it says, do you, do you know of any GMs that would be interested in doing it? I'm like, I can do a cattle call, and whoever comes back to you. How many did you get? We got... Uh, Twelve? About... Actually, about 13 people. Of course uh, it'd be 13. Well, Why right, wouldn't well, it, would it be? be, right? <laughs> 13 people. With, uh, and actually, we had some interest from some people that run other demos for like Steve Jackson games and Cool Mini or not, and they decided, hey, man, yeah, this sounds cool. Let's uh, pile onto that. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I, I've, I, I was given stuff uh, through the Men in Black when I ran, when I run GURPS. That I think, I, I, don't, I don't know. If well, Carla Freeman, really who is um, the basically the head of my volunteers and also... Uh, runs uh, the most of the demos for Steve Jackson games, and her husband James Freeman, who does uh, Cool Mini or Not demos mm-hmm. all the time, and they're basically a hardcore demo team. Them and their family and their friends do a lot of uh, demo stuff, and they man my HQ. They also help with other HQs. They're just a fantastic they have group. Twenty of, of my events. Yeah. Because, oh no kidding. Well, yeah, through Cool Mini or Not, because again, it's the miniatures-based board game. So, uh, you guys ever heard of Zombie Side? Zombicide is a fantastic game. Oh, my game. God. Is it really? Yo, yeah. you, you have to forgive me. Tactics and strategy are, like, the things that I am the weakest at. Well, but don't, but so don't, pretty much your this, area is, like, is like a nightmare for me. But okay, Zombicide is neither. Zombicide, zombicide is, is basically is, just... It's a zombie-killing board game. You get your survivor, your little <coughs> card, and your mission is to survive and get to a, a spot. And each survivor is unique. Yep. And right. they're sort of, like, a cool... like One of them looks like Velma from Scooby-Doo. You know, they, 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 they reference pop culture to make these characters. Quite a bit. Uh, quite a bit. Uh, there's a groovy 70s guy with a fro. It's, it's, it's really cool, kind of cool. And the thing about it is that when you flip the card over, that's their zombie. Because mm-hmm. after they get bitten, you can still play. 
but you can you, you basically play as a semi-autonomous that's, zombie. That's what's it called? Uh, Zombicide. Zombicide. I may have to yeah. look that up. How, and, how long does that game take to run? A couple hours. It scales on average. Uh, on average, it's about four hours. Okay. Yeah, but the the thing about it is done with tiles and scenarios, and there are quick play scenarios that are somewhat smaller, and there are scenarios that are much larger. <laughs> this sounds more like a board game than that's a miniatures game. Actually, it, 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 it really is. But, but the, the miniatures is, are so well detailed and nice. That, that that's Cool Meter Knot's thing. Is it? Is it's yes, they're. In theory, most of the stuff is you would class these as a board because you don't need a miniature to play it. You have a little marker. Well, done. yeah, because I remember back in the day, it was a chits you would pop out of the cardboard yeah, exactly. and you would yeah. have these giant global, you know. Yeah, but yeah. they're they're really making a market effort to, to sort of merge the two hobbies and have really high quality plastic miniatures on their board. Well, that's Warhammer, right? I mean, yeah. that was that's where they they made a lot of money selling miniatures and they made a lot of money with their strategy. Well, Citadel is a much better company quality wise than Games Workshop is, really. Uh, like Cool Meter Night, you mean? No, no, no. Oh. The, the Citadel makes great miniatures. And oh, the miniatures yeah, yeah. are freaking fantastic, and I love them, and I want to buy them all. And, and they're just so pretty. And I love painting and, and, and stuff like that. But the games themselves sometimes uh, cause me issue. And, 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 but the thing is, I love them, but I hate them at the same time. And it's so crazy. I know. Yeah, Over the last 25 years of gaming in our exactly, life, yeah. exactly. I have to say, I have noticed a trend recently. I'm pretty good at spotting trends. Uh, it looks like painting miniatures and miniatures are coming back. Yeah. So you're going to be busier than you've been in a while. <laughs> I, just mark it. Just mark it. The next couple of couple I of hope episodes. So. I mean, do, I, well, more and more people I've noticed have been have been like getting miniatures, wanting to paint miniatures, been taking an interest in them, and getting more and more back or back into. Because when we started, that was how you knew you'd have your marching order, and then out came the thing, and we bring out our miniatures, and we all took pride in painting our miniatures. Right. And if you were really good, you would paint I'm your miniature like for that campaign. Right now. But honestly, I when I, I start a new Dan painting miniature, when I start a new campaign, I get giddy because I get to go shop for a new miniature mm-hmm. and paint it. That's we just. Well, we just started a new a new miniatures game campaign at, at a store in Santa Monica, and it's like, oh look, we get to put together World War II miniatures again. Look, so all these I'm French Foreign Legion guys. I'm old awesome. enough to know like the joy of going into the game store <coughs> and going to the lead miniature rack and finding the Ralph Parthas that you really want. It's like, oh, I get oh, that's a whole box of Rangers. Oh, oh I need this. And they're done that. Yeah, yeah. And they're done that. And there was a time when you, if you were running a campaign, you would you would like get your miniature, you'd paint it, and that was it. Mm-hmm, and then right. for the next campaign, you had another miniature. So that. That's coming back. I've noticed. I've noticed. I think sort so. Of I think so too. And and, and I think that's also uh, has to do with the fact that there are a lot of other companies that are producing really high quality miniatures yeah, as well. I did the Kickstarter for Bones. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got a giant box. They're inexpensive. They're, they're still I think, that's, I think that's the key, though, now too, is that <laughs> as a general rule. The, the miniatures themselves are getting cheaper with a much wider range of stuff. I mean, it's you can go to if you went to, if you found a, a decently stocked store, you can literally find. Anything you're looking for, almost. Yeah. And they're really good looking, you know, with the yeah. plastic and the 3D. really good looking. I mean, right. back in the day with the Ralph Parthas, you're like, you know, my Hobbit looks like a really mutated tree. I don't. With a lot of flashing yeah. all over it. Yeah. yeah. And, and now, and not, and now it's gotten so good that you want some 3D printers. We had one at the con last year where you can design your own fig, and they're online. Where it's literally, it's like, okay, they've got 30 different heads. Mm-hmm. 15 or 20 different torsos and arm options and it's like okay I want this head this body That's this arm so this arm smart you know and so it's like cool. and then it's and then it's what level of detail do you want on it uh-huh. so if there's the $3 figure or the $9 figure yeah. and then and then they print it up send it to you and bam you've got a guy and you get to paint it mm, it's and, you get, and you're right world, and you get to yeah. paint it and the quality of paints are getting better painting is getting easier yeah. it's more accessible now yeah. i mean we have a spot at con from 10 to 5 Saturday and Sunday called Paint and Take. We yeah, provide a that. miniature. We've got a whole b- box full of them. Pick the one you want. I've seen it. They sit down. 
and they'll as long as you yeah, want, and they'll walk you through. There's people in there brushes. all day long. Oh, they actually they actually teach you how to do it. Absolutely. There's, there's oh no shit. That, there's a guy oh. that walks around. It's very arts and crafts, but there's just people that are in there all the time. I've seen kids in there. I've seen yeah, kids. Yeah, that's in there. that's our target. That's yeah. our target, by the way. Is we sure. want we want to hook the next the next generation of kids, right. and especially now with these smaller, more accessible games. And the great thing about it too is that you know the young bloods in painting competitions, so a kid can actually paint something at the paint and take, enter it into the competition. Absolutely. We have yeah. We do have a well. We do have a painting competition as well, and we do have a kids specific category thing. And we've also we're, we're always when, when, my, both my kids are coming this time. Perfect. When is that? When is that? Ten to five Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in one a, of the it was in the rooms, one of the rooms upstairs, like at the top of the stairs. Used to be. Used to now, be. Now it's in now now that we have decent lighting in miniatures. Aha. Uh-huh. It's yes. it's right next to the headquarters. You can't miss it. Yeah. Okay. Just big going sign to the, big the whole ballroom. Yeah. No, it was really cool. I, I think I walked by once and saw Gary Mack in there painting minis and stuff, and he was with a bunch of friends. It's just it, they we got in there, we're painting minis and talking. It was yeah. like you know, and they'll walk you through bit by bit. The, it's all free, yeah. and we're just look, sit down. And some people, it's like we, we get some some high end painters who just want a, a, mm-hmm. a, a quiet spot to paint. They do that too. We get tons of kids yeah. and everybody else. Yeah. Get, or and it's you fine. know, a lot of times I'll sit down and I'm working on a model, and somebody's working next to me, and then they're asking me questions, and I'll I'll just answer them. You know, and and. I've noticed that trend. It's coming around again. I think so. But also, now minis have changed a bit, too. It used to be with the lead and everything. It's a whole different style. It's yeah. a whole different look. A whole different... Yeah. Now you've got to deal with muscle shading because there is actually muscle. Instead of trying to have the... you know, At most, back when I was painting minis, you worried about your cloak and trying to make it look like it had shadow. Right. And now you've got these minis that are so incredibly detailed. Well, you now you have so many YouTube channels well, there's and so that many too. resources. There's that and, too. and really, there are a lot of cheap... Tricks you can do. Oh yeah! Oh, a, absolutely. That thing is that make it look that, awesome, and you could get it done in like. You just block it in and put a wash over it. You're done. <laughs> oh yeah! You'd be surprised. It's, <laughs> that, it's, oh, it's almost that easy. Remember I that know. Minotaur I painted in four hours? Yeah. Oh yeah! Tim was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, you know, like I said, speaking of YouTube channels, there's one particular play it painted is he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and he actually comes. He, he runs demos and stuff. Uh, Octave. Uh, Octave Villar. Yeah. Yeah. See, now you're thinking. I hate miniatures, and you're like, hmm, I might, I might, uh, might have to swing I, by I, there. Oh, I think the kids would love them. Oh, they would. Well, I, yeah. and, I, and I could maybe get be less frustrated if someone was actually like explaining me how to do it. Cause I don't know, I don't well, know. it is, and it really is. It's kind of a barrier of entry. It's sort of this. And, and it's, for, for me, it's absolutely. like, here's the mini, here's the paint. Right. Bloop, and in the past, done. And in the past, it was all like trade secrets. Oh, no, I can't tell you how I made this cloak. Isn't oh, it wonderful, had, though? When I, when, oh, I, when, yeah. I first started, when I first started playing D&D, there was a guy in high school... Who charged five bucks a mini? This is you know in the late 70s. early early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, and 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 we look, God, how did you do it? It looks so good. And it's like he wouldn't say a word. He right. never tell anyone how he did it. No, but he did. He painted everyone's minis, and everyone would scrape their change together until they could come up with five bucks and give it to him. Well, Utah's full of companies that do that. Really? Yeah, I know that there's. You look for them online, but it's funny. There's a. I, I travel a ton, and so I go to all the local game stores in multiple states. And there's one in Utah that basically started that way. They literally just needed a place to do all their stuff. So they opened a store, and it turned into a great historical store. But they still are a. You know, they'll they'll paint up entire armies, and not even well, they do commissions, but they'll just paint up stuff and put it online for sale because it'll go eventually. Mm-hmm. Oh, no mm-hmm. kidding! Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and they like doing it anyway. Yep. Oh, and the and and the the head painter there, I forget his name, but he is amazing. And they do stuff like they did uh, a couple of years ago in the hundred or the two hundredth anniversary of Waterloo. Mm-hmm. They basically did Waterloo all of it. Yeah. It no took them kidding. eighteen months of prep time. I was going to say that that doesn't sound like fun. That sounds like work. Well. It, but the thing is, though, is they really enjoy it. It looked amazing. I, 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 I like looking at it. Yeah. I, I'm an okay painter. <laughs> yeah. But their stuff looked amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that everybody could be a Golden Demon winner, but 
anybody. There's some pretty basic tricks to it. Anybody oh, can pick up a miniature and make. And it especially look now, because before, you know, I remember when like washes were first being sold. Well, what do you use these for? Yeah. Oh, the, here's how you use them. Oh, oh my God, this makes it so much easier now. Yeah. So. Yeah, my friend uh, Paul calls one of the Citadel washes easy mode. Yeah, well. Right. And then you apply easy mode, and then you drive it, and you're done. Oh. Uh, both got, you're done. Uh, tomes, you know tomes. Oh yeah. Uh, he wants to know what your guys' uh, gaming background is. Oh, oh yeah, good question. Sorry, we got so caught up in miniatures. Yes. Right. right. We're still working on background. Oh wow. Uh, Jeez. Well. Uh, oh, God, you're, you're all gonna hate me for this. My first experience with gaming was Robotech, the role-playing game by Palladium. Yeah. Yeah. No shame in that. That uh, means yeah. you're like in your fifties. <laughs> Just. <laughs> did. did did you learn how to play it by trying to read the rule book? <laughs> He's an engineer, so Actually, you got to understand that you know it, it, uh, engineers are, are are they're like what is it? Uh, they're like wrestling with a, a pig, in, a greased up pig. After about ten minutes, you figure out that they enjoy it, right? But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <he>, deciphering <laughs> complex things is one. What of was your things. favorite? Uh, what was your favorite mech? Oh, um. It's tricky because if you go with like the Macross era, I was an Excalibur guy. Mm. But if you go into the Sentinels area, I was much more of a Beta fi- Beta fighter. Pilot. I always went with Jaguars because I found them to be really really lightweight and really jumpy and really. Like, well, that's, that's BattleTech. They would get caught. Well, that was BattleTech. I, I, <laughs> I like right. the Ajax Sorry. fighters because you had the jet and the helicopter. That was kind of fun. <laughs> that is true. But that's Southern. Coast. I was totally thinking of BattleTech when you said Robotech. I was I was already yeah. But I that was, was a natural sidestep for me. But that was that was my first real gaming experience because I was a huge Robotech cartoon fan as a child. And then when I got into my freshman year of high school, my buddy goes, "Hey, look at this! They make this as a game. Sold. Done." Yeah, and it was an easy step into most of the Palladium games, which, on hindsight, not very good games. Nope. But the world is really good. Well, I'm actually really looking forward. There's a lot of rifts, uh, savage rifts being run at con. We're we're we just started a uh, a campaign here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that was news to me tonight. I, really I, admit, about I am I'm excited by that. I like Savage Worlds a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a great system. I really love the system. So, what's uh, what's your big gaming background here? Uh, well, what gi- what gives you the right to run the RPG? Well, back in the late '80s, uh, my friend Chris Cunningham, uh, who had played D and D with his friends when he was in junior high school, uh, said, "Have you ever played?" A role playing game? Like, no. Have you ever smoked? You ever smoked yeah, heroin? Pretty much exactly. <laughs> and he goes, okay, First one's you, free. Hey, oh, if you want to come over, I'll, I'll be happy to run something for you. And, and he ended up running uh, Expedition to Barrier Peaks. I played I all six characters one. because I was a big science fiction nerd. And Is that the that one where, where the spoilers? Hello. Alien, <laughs> alien yeah, this spaceship. module yes. from the seventies. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Someone will give me shit about it. Yeah. It's a crash spaceship. Yeah. It's, it's a crash spaceship okay. that turns into a dungeon. Uh, right. Basically, after By it's the buried way, I just in the mountain. Up, they just re-released Metamorphosis Alpha. I just picked up a copy of mm. that. I, may, I I was thinking about running at the con, but I don't think I have time because I'm not even sure I'm going to make it to the con. Anyway, carry on. Uh, well, and then he ran me through that module, uh, and I played. Like I said, all the characters, and it had, a, like, you know, it was a Hobbit Thief, an Elf Mage. It was, you know, your regular cast of characters for a first edition D&D, and this was Advanced Dungeons & Dragons first edition. Right. Uh, um, Stako. Uh, yeah, exactly, Stako. Uh, and he ran that for me, and at the very end, we were fighting the Boulet, uh, which is this gigantic sort of, like, underground shark You monster. get to make armor out of him. Land shark. Land shark. Land shark, it is. So basically wow. what my wizard did was he cast a wall of force in a dome around it to sort of, like, fend it off. Because we didn't know what to do. Everyone's right. running out of spells. Yeah, it was very so I, I go, okay, so I want to be able to cast a fireball, but I want to be able to, like, 
let the dome go and then cast the fireball like as as quickly as possible and see if I can get some bounce back from the wall for you. That's interesting. Okay, here's one d here's the one d twenty. This one determines how fast the uh, the the dome goes down, and this is another d twenty, and this one determines how quickly you can cast the. Fireball. I like your GM who's fast at thinking stuff up. So he that's says, cool. if the fireball one rolls a twenty, that's the best result you can get. But the dome one, if it rolls a one, that's the best result you can get, and then I'm going to give you as uh, maximum damage. And he goes, okay. So you know, it's ridiculous. Roll. Twenty and one. I swear to God, I rolled a twenty. On the right dice. On, On the, the right dice. dice. <laughs> and he just said. That's one bullet. That's you know <laughs> what? Scratch him for the darkness. Kudos, kudos to him though. Yeah, he's like, oh, that was really creative, and you made a ridiculous roll. That was like ridiculous. So I'm just gonna give it to you. I'm like, that's so at that point it was fish on. That was it. I was it. I was hooked. It was called Expedition to Barrier Peaks. Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. They're asking in the in the. I remember that module. It's actually really. It was fun. Yeah, I remember. I the other thing that irked me. It's like, oh, I found a laser beam. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you have to roll on a table to see if you know. Right. Well, actually, that's got a trigger. That was a beta <laughs> test for a system they designed for Gamma World. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Which is sort of the way that when you find lost technology in the wastes in Gamma World, yes. the exact same system you use for deciphering that technology. It, it, was, it was kind of a crossover, too. I yeah. love Gamma World as well. Yeah, I was Gamma really World was upset great. with the re release of Gamma World, but I really uh, liked the no, original. No, no, Gamma I had World. A, uh, a mutant crow guy named Queequeg, and it was awesome. I had a mutant tiger once. I rolled like. Heightened strength times three, just because it was random tables right. where you're, and I was like, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, he's, he was, it was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Was See, like a, unfortunately, I had none of these fun D and D stories because my my mother bought into the D and D is evil. Oh, the moral panic. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Jack Chick gar- garbage, which, as it turns out, Jack Chick printing is right next to my house in Rancho Cucamonga. So. We've talked about this. I found it by accident the other day, and I'm like. I wonder if that's the place, and sure enough, it is. Well, he died. He died not long ago, but it's still there, and they still yeah, sell them. I'm, I'm sure they do. He. The, the, he used to be based in Alhambra years and years and years ago, okay. and then they moved out there. And I, I told the story before. So those of you listening, go get a beer. Go get a beer. Tell the same story. <laughs> uh, I went to Cal State Long Beach, and there was this guy who used to hand out the Jack Chick things every time I'd walk by, and I had a whole collection of them. Yeah, that's common. We did that in high school too. <laughs> and uh, but. Yeah, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago, and we looked up Jack Chick, and there's only a couple photographs of him because he was kind of a recluse. Yeah. And I found a photograph of him, and I think that was him handing those things out. This would have been 85, 86. Yeah, right there at the middle of the panic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. But the the nice thing was, though, is when I come home from school with my Robotech stuff, he goes, is that like Dungeons & Dragons? No, it's got robots in it. Done. I was good. All right. right. <laughs> that, was, that, that was my out. Essentially, it's all science. There's no magic. I, I had only heard about that panic. I, I had heard like uh, go to the gaming store and like, yeah, well, somebody's and mother came in and burned up all their stuff, and it never affected me. I never really. I always just thought it was sort of overrated. But more, the more we've done this podcast, the more I've heard more and more of these stories. Now, are, were you, you're from here? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Ontario. Okay, all right. Now, um, I just lost my question. It was, it was, it was a moral outrage and people burning burning books and things. But no, uh, no. otherwise, I'm going to derail this and go, I'm, I'm take it somewhere else. You go. So, there's a lot of people that are listening to the show that are, that are from from far flung lands. Right. I mean, New Zealand, uh, Nebraska. The people uh, that don't come to our convention and go, right. what well, the they hell can't. are you guys doing? They can't. And uh, yeah. we've actually we've actually had a lot of people on the forums of talking about the fact that they have a hard time meeting people to game. That sometimes they have to drive three or four hours to like find one or two people to game. A, a lot of people really kind of envy the fact that we have cons here. You guys are running a con. Do you have any advice, maybe, for people that want to start a local con or maybe you know just a small gathering of people? 
How would you go about that? The the obvious answer, because this works really well in a few places that I go, in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, Kickstarter. Okay. Main expenses venue. Yeah, that's, that's, that's basically what it is. And yeah. there's, there's a place, there's a, a, a sci-fi slash game con, I forget the name of it, but I think it's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Is where I, and they do that. Basically, it's every year they fill up a Kickstarter. And that is the, is the basic funds. Because that's, you're right, it's the venue. Once you have the venue in place and, and set, the rest is kind of gravy. I mean, you can kind of figure the rest out. Well, yeah. it, it's got to be a thankless job running a con. I mean, you're, you're, you're spending all day dealing with the no. hotel, dealing with the people. How do you... Just one question. Okay. Being from California yeah. and, and knowing how litigious things get here, by venue, are you also including insurance? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. The venue covers that, right? Uh, it, it, it depends. It, it, no, no. It, that depends. Uh, in our case, the hotel has their own insurance, mm-hmm. which covers the non-gaming spaces. We have our insurance, which covers the gaming spaces. Because the, the difference is, is like, because most game places that you go, like the one in, the, the smaller ones that I've seen in other places, they're not attached to a hotel. It's a civic center. Right. It's meeting space, something like that. So right. there's, there's, we open at blah, we close at blah, and then the next day it's the same hours a lot of times. Right, it's the, it's the hall of the YMCA or something. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, that's the thing that, that I, I, the primary point I would drive through is don't be afraid to start really small. You know, if you mm-hmm. can just if, if if you can just get somebody's really large garage with five tables and sure. just advertise it out there's there. There's elk lodges oh. out there that are saying, that are empty for now, abs- most of the time. Exactly. Actually, okay, if we're looking for a free option too, there's a, a huge number of places, uh, local libraries or civic centers that if you are a nonprofit or you can show some sort of community good, they will give you space. Yeah. Oh. There you go. Okay. And so, and that's a great way to start because I know there's a place in, in Rancho that they do it right now. I want to say they meet once a week, and it's just a board gaming thing, and it's a couple hours on a Wednesday night, and it doesn't cost anything because it's a community good. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to start and build. You find a space like that. A lot of places will give you space. A gymnasium out there, a community anything. center out and, there, and that's um, you know, and, and yeah, and 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 start small. Don't be afraid of it. You'd actually be surprised at how cheap liability insurance can be, mm-hmm. depending. Um, and, but really, the the thing about it is, you, your attitude going into it has to be. You're never going to make any money at this unless you get things so so ridiculously big that like you're basically Origins or Gen Con. That's really the only way you're ever going to make any money. This <coughs> yeah, is a, but this is uh, a this is Gen, Gen Con. This is a passion project. Nowadays, more yeah. Well, this is a passion stuff, project. Gen Con's the San Diego Comic Con of. Well, it's of an industry con, and there's cons, a difference. Yeah, yeah uh, that's it, true. It, it's an industry con. Uh, oh, Dragon Con. I mean, that that started small, and it's yeah, it's a money maker. But now. the cosplayers made that con into what okay, it is right fair now. Fair enough. Uh, you know, and and uh, because it's it's sort of like one of the central locations for cosplay. Uh, and you never know how these conventions are going to go. Well, that's, you know, that's it, the what kind of what you're going to draw because yeah. I, I know there are a lot of science fiction conventions in downtown LA that started off as sort of horror conventions and then they sort of dovetailed out into being sci-fi slash tour slash fantasy conventions and now that they, they have a, a slightly better attendance. But like I said, don't be afraid to start small. Don't be afraid to to don't make it about your ego. But take make it about trying to share your hobby with other people and give them. Uh, give them a place to share a community uh, and, and, and just go it from that point. And, yeah. but, but see, that's presupposing that people actually have a plan. Can you give us like a top ten list of things to do when you're running a con? Top ten things to do, uh, find, a, find a venue, uh, make sure that uh, that venue uh, services your needs as far as the kind of tables that they're going to make available, the type of uh, general logistics that they're going to be able to make mm-hmm. available. 
Uh, also, make sure that you plan ahead to uh, card in all of the various things that you're looking for beforehand. Like, you're, you're probably going to need a computer and a printer to print things out. You're going to need... Uh, See, right now people are, like, taking notes. Oh, wow, I didn't even think about that. I'm going to need a computer. Yeah, you're going to need a computer. Uh, you know, Some sort of signage. Some sort of signage. Even if it's whiteboards. Exactly. I mean... Uh, but it, 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 the space, signage, uh, other minor things, like making sure that you have a place to store... Uh, your your stuff overnight. If you're not running like a 24-hour con, there isn't going to be anybody mm -hmm. around. Uh, there's going to be an easy way for people to find and park and stay at that location. Oh, yeah, that helps. So too. the last <laughs> thing you want to do is find a location that doesn't have adequate parking, and then you, you end up actually getting like a whole bunch of people, but they right. end up getting frustrated and, and, going, and going away because they can't right. find parking. Yeah. Or it's, it's too far. <laughs> yeah. You, know, uh, it, it, those, you, you want to you remove as much of a pain in the ass as you can, but that, I think that it's one of those things where you just try your best at first. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a try your best at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, try to. It, it's just like planning a writing down an adventure, man. You're trying to anticipate what, what's going to happen the best you can. Make contingencies for that. You're going over your head. I would say what <laughs> the actual situation is going to play out to be, and try to plan best. And for know it. where the nearest office supply store. Is. I would, Indeed, I would oh, say yeah. that it's like planning a wedding. It's very much like planning. You a wedding. have to have food tables for the guests. You need to know where they're sitting. You need to know where you need to, know, you need to let them know where the hotels are. Mm -hmm. You need to let, let you know, the, the clergy. I need, think also a proper need, website so is incredibly crucial. But um, I think wedding planning is probably closer to throwing a con than maybe, you know, just throwing a website. <laughs> why are you laughing? No because reason. No reason, man. There's no reason why we would giggle at the website. Nope. No, it's in, 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 in the way that we're looking at it now, people aren't going to look at their local, local newspaper or whatever. To, oh, no. To, to, they're, they're going they're, online. They're going to go online. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you, put, you put up a good website, you get on a lot of the forums, you do, you know, your, your footwork online, that could actually draw a lot more people yep. Than, than you know doing it any other way. Uh, so also, hit, look up because I know there's one that recently started in Arizona, where it was like the three largest game stores in the area would just all kind of help out. That's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. do, should you talk to your local game stores? Because carry I, on I, with that. That's a good well, thought. Well, I think so because there's one specifically that just happened in Phoenix that um, it originally started as. The three largest game stores, of course, they all knew who each other was, and they were all buddy-buddy. And so the event itself would take place at a store, and it would shuffle around every year until it kind of outgrew them. And oh, then, really? Yeah, and then the three would kind of contribute some, and then it kind of became its own thing, but then all three stores kind of backed it, but, like, one would be in charge of it every single time. And so, I mean, there's a lot of ways to approach it. Uh, one of the things that, that Jim hasn't mentioned is people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do not... You know, yes, you got to have like like a, a, a structure of who's going to do what, but you just need bodies to do things. That's the biggest thing. That's so you think delegate? Don't do everything yourself. So when you when you oh, ask how you guys pull how? this off, that is exactly it. Yeah, that is exactly how you, we pull you need it to have off. a team of people to help you out. Exactly. Yeah, because because everybody's a martyr and they want to do it themselves, and that's how you get in trouble. Yeah, well, you guilty. Can't do that. I've been there, done that. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I had that same problem because I took over miniatures. There was like twenty some odd events in it. Which was real easy. I could easily be down there, and, and I was constantly in the area and doing more and more stuff. And they got to the point where it was really unwieldy. And an 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. day is long, especially <laughs> when there's three or four in a row. Yeah. And it seems like a challenge at first, and then you realize this isn't fun at all. Oh no, I was getting. I was absolutely <laughs> do what you can to avoid getting burned out because I was yeah. absolutely. I was right absolutely. there. Absolutely, and and that's when the people that we took over for. That's pretty much what was going on with them. They were just burnt out. On yeah, they were just doing. done, and that, nothing happened. 
that when you're when you're when your hobby becomes a job, it's it, it's a shame, you know. Like, exactly. that, and I've noticed that you've been playing RPGs. Is that a, is that a you trying to do that on purpose because you love it so much? Uh, well, or is it I like just to save your soul. No, I a <laughs> I love playing weird games. And, <laughs> and Dave Kazay really does a great job of yes, making really yes, super weird games, and so that really turns my crank. So that when I, I usually end up just looking at like two or three games that I think they're like, that is so unique, I have to play in that. Uh, but usually when I spend a lot of time playing, that's more because I actually just want to be in the trenches watching people mm -hmm. and making myself visible to the, to, to the consumer. Uh, and you're, you're, I, I'm going to assume that you're doing this not because you like to run conventions, but because you like to play games. You're actually a fan of role-playing games. I'm doing this because I love role-playing games so much that I think everybody that that can possibly that's... benefit from them should at least be able to have access to them. And and I that that's really the core of it. I love this hobby with all my heart. So it much. Is, it is my favorite thing to do as far as a, as far as a, yeah. as, as a pastime. Uh, it's amazing because you guys are crazy. You guys, you guys, slings and arrows of defeat, and having to deal with some of the. Uh, it's crazy. You guys, you guys have to deal with. It's impossible to do this job without a significant passion for what. Yeah, for and the then, hobby that you support. And, and you know, and, I, and that's the thing is, it's funny because, you know, my storage. I, I have large boxes full of miniatures of games that aren't played anymore, and role playing books of games that aren't made anymore. And that's going to be the title of your autobiography. That's so sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> But you know, and that's the thing is, is you you share it with more people, and that that's why my my general policy when it comes to my area for gaming is I don't say no to anything. Oh, I don't yeah. care. You, I, I will it, work with that, you. That may not be a game for me, but if you want to play it, fine. I said here's a, a table, I, set it up. I said at your podcast before. I'm not a big fan of tunnels and trolls. I don't like that <laughs> game all that much. Yeah. But that is irrelevant to me when I'm scheduling it and putting it in the right place and having right. people enjoy. Yeah. It. All right. I'm totally scheduling our fatal LARP. It's gonna be awesome. Hot. Do yeah. it. We want more LARPs. Uh, actually, as yeah, a that's true. That's our next thing. Next, that's, that's, that's our next project. Next target. What's it called? Pillars of Salt. Are they gonna be back? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Because they. Because they they. Um, right. I don't know this one. No, it's just a, uh, a LARP uh, organization called Pillars of Salt. Oh, okay. They're a vampire LARP organization. I, mm. I believe so. Kurt yeah. was Kurt was here a week week and a half ago. And we ran the, uh, a play test of the game he's going to run, run at the con, which is in uh, Vampire Middle Ages. Nice. And almost everyone here except me was a was, Dark Ages. Was a is just such a fun setting for oh, that game. Oh man, it is so. Fantastic. We were playing Elders too. So much fun. It's like yeah. Champions. Me and my it's buddy like, Paul yeah, played. Like pretty uh, much playing Super. Played uh, Brothers in that. <laughs> we were two knights, Crusader knights. Uh, one was British and one was Spanish, and we sort of like buddied up, and it was like a cowboy movie. It was hilarious. <laughs> I remember we ran into some black spiral dancers in Venice, and we beat them down, and then they just get back up and come after us, and we just look at each other and just like did the, the whole like pick up the panties and run. <laughs> it says, "Oh my God, we hit them with everything they got, and they just got back up. Let's get out of here." But, uh, um, how, how you pronounce this? Ba-Arune? Ba, B-A-Arune? I don't know. Arun? Ba-Arune. Ba-Arune, okay. <sighs> don't like your username, I'm sorry. Ba-Ba-Booey, ba ba Question. Ba-Ram-You? When you guys introduced yourself, you mentioned that you were volunteers at the con. Is it 100% voluntary, voluntary, or is there some pay involved, and would you want this to change in the future? Uh, let's see. We we get no direct compensation other than the fact that they cover our badge and we get a place to stay at the con. That's what we get out of that's, it. That's basically our That's what we get for running games. Yeah. 
So you don't get anything more than we get when no, we well, do two games? Well, other than, than the mantle of responsibility, no. A, a place to stay, meaning a room. Oh, right. Yeah, yes, I, okay. I get Yeah, Yeah, we, I, and actually, we don't even get an entire hotel room. We have to share it. We have to share it, yeah. but, which I'm okay with because most of my friends. So everybody knows, generally, this is an absolutely not-for-profit convention. Uh, very few, if any, people actually get paid. I think there's only one person. I'm not going to mention who it is. But, yeah, there, there's one. But they, they, they get legitimately paid because they do stuff year-round for the convention. Right. Uh, and that's actually what they do professionally. Mm-hmm. It isn't like, you know, Mike, who's an engineer, and, and me, who's a manager at, 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 at a site in, in Century City. We have nothing to do with this as far as our profession. It's just what we do as a hobby. Her, on the other hand, that's she's a professional, and, and, we, and we give her a very modest stipend. But yeah, from from a fraction the, from, of what she usually gets. Paid. But from the top down, everybody else is entirely volunteer. Yeah. And uh, so and and so the really the only and that that's we're talking. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Full disclosure, I also get a free T-shirt. Oh yeah. Oh, the free T-shirt. That's what a, a scam! I know. <laughs> I have stacks of T-shirts at home. Right. Yeah, you get one every con, like this one. I bought one for Zachary last time. Oh, nice. He loves that shirt. The, I, the, um, I love the free dice that you guys hand out. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, then, that's, that's, but see, that, that's usually just for GMs. So. Well, that's, I'm usually GMs. So. Well, there you yeah. go. There you go. And we, they, they sort of like count them out. There's like these really precious little reasons. Oh, yeah, guys, it's funny. You guys are like, did you get your die? Did you get your die? I think last time I GM, I'm like, hey, I didn't get my die. And you're like, here. Here, take mine. I don't need it. I've got, I've got like, like eight or nine of them now because they start to collect. Yeah, but they're you don't realize. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of them and just I take them home and then they disappear because I have a seven year old. So uh, they're all you could try. You could find. They're them all in the heater. Yeah. Well, I know. I, I'm probably gonna. Well, they're probably under the couch next to all the Legos we can't find, which uh, is generally how it works. Walk through the house barefoot. barefoot. You'll yeah, find yeah, all the all Legos. the Caltrops. Well, yeah. the Legos, yes, not the dice though. So true. whatever. Unless they're deep forest. Right. That's true. The, um, so. We, we talked earlier. That's kind of the model for most conventions, like the vast majority, Mo- vast majority of, of, of conventions. Uh, actually, not not so much. I mean, if you look at, at let's let's look at things that are a little bit more uh, broad. So, if uh, another organization that I work with tangentially is Long Beach Comic Con, okay, uh, because I sometimes help with uh, the the board games demos. That they, mm-hmm. that they do over there. Same person, Carla Freeman, which, does which that. even though it's not San Diego, is still a really big con. It's, it's actually a fairly large con. Yeah. I mean, they get a lot of people over there. It's really crowded. A couple um, hundred thousand? Yeah, I would say in, in the tens of thousands. Okay. Uh, oh, and, no kidding. Yeah, so and, and, five, the five figures. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a gigantic mass of people outside of that convention center. It's, it's pretty huge. And uh, the, the, the people that do work there do get paid. Uh, a lot of them do. Uh, and, and, it's, and, and the corporation, the Expo Corporation, runs two... Uh, uh, two conventions at Long Beach and a couple of others elsewhere. They're actually a large organization that runs multiple uh, Comic Cons, and they are uh, somewhat per- for profit uh, at the top of the organization. Yeah, that, that seems to be kind of the, the the level at which stuff starts paying is right. the, the five figure level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, same I, thing with podcasts. I don't know how much for free. <laughs> I don't know how much I would be able to do for free if I had five hundred mm-hmm. events versus you know the hundred and twenty to hundred and fifty I get. Right. Uh, Even that seems like a lot. Well, you know, here, actually, I have a breakdown here. This very convention, I actually have 122 unique events. I have 58 individual RPG systems represented within those 122 games. Wow. Uh, we have all the D&Ds except for, except for 4th edition. 
represented. I'm shocked. Gee, that's uh, telling. Well, actually, Pathfinder, I'm, I'm throwing it as that third edition. There's no third edition D&D. I mean, What's we have Mummy the Curse, we have Mutants, Mutants and Masterminds, Lorlandia, Numeria, Paranoia, Pugmire, uh, all different kinds of rifts, Savage Worlds and regular Palladium rifts, Savage Deadlands, Savage Deadlands Noir, uh, a game called Soldiers of Misfortune, uh, Tome's Star Frontiers game. Uh, I mean, Star Frontiers. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Sword and Wizardry Complete. I mean, no, that's, the, the Quiet that's Year. Tim. That's Tim. The yeah. Sprawl, Torchbearer, Traveler, First Edition Traveler. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I, I've got, I, I think, uh, I, I think, bought uh, books on eBay for that. Who is I it? I could run that. The yeah. actual, like, little box one? Yeah, the, the little, the, this is the I don't have the box, but the little tiny, yeah. yeah. Actually, I think it's a Happy Jacker that's running that, as a matter oh, of fact. Uh, Wild Talents, Vampire the Requiem, Vampire the Rasquerade, Vampire the Dark Ages. Uh, Tremulous, which is great. I love that game. Uh, Apocalypse World in just about every flavor. God, this is an exciting uh, con. There's a lot of stuff going on. Demon the Descent, Dresden Files Accelerated, which I'm so excited for. Um, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Faith Core, uh, Fate Accelerated. It, I mean, it, and the list goes on. Like I said, 58 individual different types of, uh, of and 30 percent of them are powered by the apocalypse. Hacks, yeah, probably. a lot of them are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's the flavor of the week, and, that, and that's fine. And that's fine. I mean, remember I remember when it was all where, Savage Worlds. I remember when it was all Savage Worlds. Yeah. I remember when it was like all, a dozen well, Fate games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Fate got dethroned recently. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. No, there's still quite a few Fate. <laughs> well, I'm sure there are. Going on. No, 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 nothing against Fate. It's, it's just, just I like the, to see something. It's not new. the new hotness. It's not the new hotness. Apocalypse World. Yeah, the Apocalypse Engine is really kind of the new hotness. And the, really, their their really innovative innovative approach to uh, storytelling in the fact that the system can, <coughs> the system allows you to control the narrative instead of the physics of the game, which is great. Uh, That's a very good way to put it. Uh, but fate does that as well. As well, but it's a little bit more complicated. I find I think that so. I think that fate is fantastic and I love it, but it gets to a certain critical mass where there are so many things on the table it yeah. becomes very difficult for the GM There's to really track it. There's a lot of aspects of who, one of one yeah. of the one of my friends, one of the guys of friends of the show, he actually has a, a brother that he prints out all the tags with and he just sticks them on each Yeah, one yeah, yeah. He's run he's like I need an outlet because I get yeah. my horrible handwriting is horrible. I need this Pete Dutch printer. Yeah. I'm like okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I love fate, and I, and, and but I like like I said, it it it, it t- t- tends to be a little bit top heavy for the GM after a certain point, and it's impossible to run a game with more than. I think Apocalypse World is top heavy for the GM as well. There's a lot of yeah. thinking on your feet. You have to come up. It's it's an improv comic all the time. You're yeah, but, this, but the things that you can do are limited. A lot of balls in the air. Uh, there's a Whoa. there's a limit to the things that you can do with the moves. That's so, true. But that and that cap on things actually does make it a lot more manageable versus the. Massive variety of just different options and aspects you can play on the table with fate, because ultimately in an apocalypse, uh, apocalypse engine game, you can only do what's on your moves sheet. It's true, and you can be creative yeah, with the things right. on your moves sheet, but you can always kind of really <coughs> tell what a character is going to be able to do and not do in that game. And I think it's that a makes lot of a, lot of, room in there. a lot of wiggle room. But I think as a, as a GM, it makes it a lot easier for you versus a game like Fate uh, because of that. What were you going to say? I was just going to point out that. What kind of a GM are you where you're not thinking on your feet constantly anyways? Every game I've ever run has essentially well, been a giant That's this entire anyway. freaking podcast. It's I like, know, like, I know. Shit's going to happen. <laughs> Fuck it. off. Just make it up as you go. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that, because I've been in a lot of games. Um, actually, I game with him primarily, which is, I feel bad for you, Jim. <laughs> but, you know, at least with my, in my group, we're all very good at that. I rely on it more than anything else. I just have a bare bones outline when I walk in. It says, okay, here's going to, because... I don't have any problems with my players directing the story because yeah. I was raised. The problem was once I got away from high school and the Palladium games and level-based stuff in general and got in with some people who, who were far more interested in story. 
You know, mm-hmm. they don't need to be the center of attention. They don't need to. They don't have this. This character is not a proxy for what they they feel they need to do. You know, it's much more of a story based thing where that's what it's about. Everybody contributes to that. You know, that that's why I liked when at least when when my first experiences with Fate was kind of nice. That kind of collaborative world bearing collaborative storytelling where it's like. You know, it's 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 just yeah. The thing I love about Fate is the character generation is play. That's like one of my favorite things. Yeah, really so so pulls my crank. But then again, I mean, I I I basically ran a kind of an off the cuff Shadowrun game for when fourth came, third, fourth. Don't even talk about that a fucking Shadowrun <laughs> game. Oh my god. Okay, so nobody was too lazy, so they all just pulled one of the pre made characters out of the book. <laughs> says I'm playing this guy, and yep. then they everybody came up with some kind of racial or somewhat slur for their street name. You know, what? Uh, 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 Ursa's troll uh, hyper, super violent ganger was called Bitch Lips. That was, that was her actual street name. I was Spick because I That's was right. the Aslani street samurai. That's right. Oh, my wife Daisy played... Daisy Cutter. Daisy Cutter. My, life, my <laughs> wife played Nuprin, who was an Asian orc uh, oh. physical ad. Because that was the picture in the book. Oh, yeah. I want that one. She looks cool. <laughs> little and yellow. Yeah, yeah, little yellow different. Yeah. And so we, 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 the, we did the, the first... Pre-gen or the the first uh, adventure to come out for it, and then from that it just took off on its own thing. And then we started messing with the mafia, and one of the one of the characters actually played a, con- uh, a consigliere with the mafia and tried to backstab us. Sold the entire crew out. It was great. Yeah, just, was, look at you yeah. guys geeking out it here. Was great. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, we have tons of these stories, and it's, but but what I've realized though, from a role playing standpoint, because. Yes, I read miniatures, but I played everything. I love everything because my friends are awesome. The thing about Mike and I is that we're both miniatures gamers. We're both role-playing gamers, board gamers. Yeah. We've played a lot of games. A lot of games. But I realized that, that listening to my poor brother-in-law, that I, my experience was very, I don't want to say unique, but not, not the average experience. Because his, his group, although they were friends, they took stuff really personally. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was really bizarre where it was like, you know, you know, in some of the games we played, you know, our characters would die, but if it further put the story, it was like, everybody goes, wow, that was pretty badass. I remember my You're first an Kenobi- asshole. I'm going to see you outside. I remember my first <laughs> Kenobi moment playing L5R where I let my character die because it was great for the story. It was yeah. Just, Mitch, Mitch, I'm going to die here, dude. I'm just going to let him cut me down. And they're like, what? What? Yeah, I'm you just going to let him cut that? me down. Why? Yeah, dude, look what would happen is because his honor would be sa- sated. Yeah. My yeah. honor oh, yeah. would be sated. Yeah. Five yeah. rings. <clears throat> Flesh with five rings was a total catalyst for a lot of. This would be a badass place to die. I'm going to do it like this. Do it right now. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I, I said that off because... Going down in a blaze of glory. We, we were oh, doing yeah. demo games for Wick uh, at that oh, point. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, and I'm like, I'm going to Kenobi this out. What do you mean? I'm just going to pull back my sword and just let him cut me down. And I explained in great detail why that would be great politically. And the GM went, okay. That sounds great. And I just let it on. And, and they had the karma system, so I just made another character, and it was great. And then after that, nobody was afraid to have a character nope. die on them uh, because everybody saw how cool it could be to actually explore that oh, part absolutely. of uh, role-playing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that setting especially. It's... Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, to me, the, the, it's, it, the difference in, in, in role-playing gaming can be really uh, sort of uh, delineated by the type of stories people tell. And if somebody tells, like, oh, my God, I critted out three times on this thing, and I totally killed that monster, and it was freaking awesome because my character was so fine-tuned that it was great. Fine-tuned. That's, sort of, that's, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> so fine-tuned. And, like, and that's great. I mean, if that's the game you want to play, awesome. But I like when you come to the story, it's like, oh, my God, and then we went to, and we saw this guy, and we were supposed to fight him, but then I started to talk to him, and we did this other thing, and then you just made... I get a kick out of making stories out of nothing. The, the, the role-playing is just a fantastic thing because it's just... You take nothing but a sheet of paper 
and turn it into something that that could be epic, really. And you talk about for years. I mean, we've been talking mm -hmm. about some of our role play experiences for years. And you know, <laughs> instead of uh, instead of me talking about how awesome Elway was back in the day, I'm actually talking about my own experiences right. uh, in, in, in these games. And you know, a lot of people might might trivialize them or, or downplay them, but they're as much a part of my life. Uh, as anything else, uh, because they're an extension of me and my creativity and aspects of myself that I don't get to explore. And it's a shared basis. it's a shared experience mm -hmm. with your friends. Exactly. Too. And more so because you're a Dolphins fan, not a Broncos fan. That's side the point. <laughs> True. Well, you know, that's funny because it is kind of that way. It's like you, you're rooting for a different sports team and such, but you both are... Oh, no, you're really always invested. rooting for a different sports you're team. You're very right? invested. The sports team is never the same year to year. You're rooting for a label. Even really? It's true. You brought up a really interesting point about discovering it, uh, the storytelling aspects, right? And I, I can, I know when I started, we were so bogged down with rules and make sure we were playing the game correctly right. that the story oftentimes fell by the wayside. And we're fourteen and fifteen year old boys, and we just wanted to hit things really hard and yeah. really well. Yeah. And we had fine tuned characters, but eventually, something but see, happens. That, that's the there's part. A, that's there's a paradigm. No, change. you explore that. that and that's there's a beginning Robotech. and an end to that. That's my Robotech experience, right into my Rifts experience, right into everything else. Until you you get somebody, I, God, I want. Come on, to, who doesn't want to play a game that has mega damage? <laughs> mega. Damage. And there's a place for that. I mean, when it comes to running the Monty Hall, we want to go out and do Monty weird Hall shit is, kind yeah. of campaign. That was kind of my niche for a while. You know, mm -hmm. I know there, there's every now and then when I would listen to the podcast and Taffy was on, he would talk about some goofy bullshit that happened back in the day. I go, oh yeah, we I played was, a lot with Taffy back. In I the was, day. oh crap, I was running that game. <laughs> A lot of his idiot stories are about us. Uh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and a good portion of those Ninja are ones that I was the GM for, and it was like, oh, yeah. I remember that shit happened. <laughs> but, you know, but not only that is, as far as the flexibility goes, I feel bad for my buddy Mitch, because <laughs> on Captain more of the than scratch, one occasion... Captain of the One Prince of Darkness, yeah. Oh, absolutely, because Mitch would have this huge story, kind of overarching story that we would fit into bits of it, and then somewhere, sometimes as soon as game number one, gone. It's like we just turn the tables on, and he's like, okay, well, that's what I have for this week. Let me figure it all out, and we'll see you next week. Kind the of thing is, he would, was, he would just get upset at it, and then he'd go, you know what, guys, give me about 10 minutes. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll figure something out. And he just ended up rolling with it, you know, and, and uh, learning those lessons sort of the hard way from... I think uh, that was one of Tappy's stories. He was like, you guys, like, completely turned the tables, and he, like, took the adventure and tossed it, and then put it over absolutely. his shoulder and said, fine, I guess we're going to have a... We're running a... a yeah, no. That was the, the Paul ended up killing the, the major villain of this multiple story arc with a level one spell. Oh no no no! Oh, you mean the Five Rings game? Yeah, no no. That's what he said. Like, no, 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 <laughs> level one spell that actually basically lit. The oh yeah. Up. And then this guy threw Tappy at the bad guy. Oh, that's awesome. No, no, I used him as a shield. Oh no, yeah, he's throwing poison darts. <laughs> he just used him as a shield and he was just sucking. Up. And then pull back a time <laughs> off the dude in one shot. Oh. And he had, I mean, this guy was. He was Dr. 12, Doom. He was his dude. He had, he had 12 pages of backstory, contacts, motivation. Oh, boy. Huge. Tons of stuff. No, he and was it's a like crane. a one shot, boom, he's dead. I'm no mere hedge mage. All oh, right. <laughs> and he takes the character, looks at it, and goes, okay. All right. So, what do you guys want to do for the rest of the night? No, you no, no, no. something up. Nope. We yeah, rolled with it right after that point, and it just, it just, it just flowed out of the next thing. And we did that to him and Al. And you, on a regular basis, <laughs> or that one time when the Oni would basically pick one of us up, pump us with taint, and then throw us at another one of the party. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you pump touched us in, with they taint. taint. <laughs> it's like there's that's a demon. The... There's an Oni in the hourglass, yo. Oh, yeah. Happy. <laughs> there's an Oni in the hourglass, yo. But 
and you know, and that's and, and that's cool because that that stuff, you know, you're right. It's become part of our our whole fabric. But I was but I was lucky because everybody goes, wow, that was pretty badass, you know. My, yeah. my buddy Eli was the king of the heroic deaths, though. Oh yeah, he was great. But I remember the one line that was great from you from L5R was he was playing this crab, and uh, there were uh, this one daimyo was asking, "What does your clan stand for?" No, that was Paul's line. Oh, Paul's in, in my game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and, and they asked Mike this as the crab, and he just stands there just sternly and goes, "Ever." <laughs> Love that game. That was uh, a great game. Tomes has another question. Uh, what are your thoughts on changes moving forward? Anything changing? Obviously, he's specifically asking about games on demand, but anything else? Um, well, actually, there is a, a major change to games on demand in the fact that they're they're going to get more space and more tables. Uh, downside of that is that it's going to be the lower lobby foyer where they're going to be. Uh, which is the where the you know where RPGs used to be downstairs right in the basement in the basement oh the, by the, lower lobby the big you mean open the area yeah where, where the elevators and or okay, the no, okay no 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 we're not allowed to call it of anything other than the lower lobby can't it's say instructed we, we can't say okay. that and we can't call it the D word either does it have windows that look out on anything uh, no but no in the other rooms <laughs> yeah. But uh, go but, ahead. Well, think. hotel rooms do. Well, yeah, mine does. I, I have a patio outside my door, but <laughs> but any in any case, it, it's going to be a whole lot of tables down there with a lot of open space. So, and, okay. and better lighting now that and they actually figured that. Now that they, they actually that figured out the lighting down there, it's a lot better space and more. <sighs> Is there a switch somebody wasn't throwing? For no, they no, put they replaced lights. lights in. Yeah, nice. it, it seems to be a common thing because we had the same <coughs> problem with the Sheridan back in. I don't. Obviously, most actually, I think that's a technology thing. I think LED lighting has changed a lot of the way. Well, it, the simple fact that it used to be basically a disco, they turned into a, a an area where they didn't really put anything. I, I got several crappy lighting with the Sheridan, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah, that was the, the pit over there was crazy. Uh, other changes: um, we're going to be starting up a LARPs 101 section. Really? Mm -hmm. uh, we 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 had a discussion, some of us, and decided that we want the only the only real. Uh, part of the con that isn't consistently growing is LARPs. Mm -hmm. and I think it's because we're just not drawing any new people because we don't have any like teacher. Well, I know there games. was a time when there there the, the, there was a, a LARP organization that was like starting to run conventions opposite mm -hmm. you guys, which is well, they do now. Uh, the, well, they don't. The thing is, is they don't run opposite us uh, uh, necessarily opposite us, and they don't necessarily do it on purpose. Right. It just happens to fall within a couple of weeks of us occasionally. But not always. Right. Yeah, it's and, nothing and, delicious. And, and big holiday three-day weekends are great times to have cons anyway. Indeed. As it turns out, yeah. The, the Doctor Who con tends to go opposite one of yours. And that, Correct. That this does one. take away a lot yeah. from yeah. the fans. But, uh, I, but actually, next probably, to each other. I'll bet, you, yeah. I'll bet you it actually helps attendance, doesn't it's it? It's possible. You I, know, I, I don't know. Well, Orcon, historically Orcon, which is the one coming up, is the largest of the three. Um and and then the Gallifrey's thrown right up the street. Correct. And we do get a. It's funny because I, I see actually, people with their badges with all the little sticker both. things on them yeah. all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Well, because yeah. we, we we see a certain degree of crossover. People will go over there. They'll have badges to both. They'll do their Gallifrey stuff, and they'll come over. Hey, guess what's eight o'clock? <coughs> we're still jumping. We're still playing games. Right. I mean, our main ballroom. Well, the doesn't outside close. of us being a twenty-four hour con is actually great. Yeah, it doesn't close. I mean, that's the thing. You can play all night. You know. And yes, I do lose. Some of my regular GMs over there because I have a, I have two of them that actually run the hospitality room at Gallifrey, who do come over, have badges, hang out and game a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's the way it goes, and that's just that's fine. There's plenty of room for us, and we're the same. A lot of us the same people. Uh, that's right. what I'm there saying. are plenty that's of right. nerds to be had out yeah, there, yeah. man, and they can and they can easily populate both cons. But um, what I'm doing is I, I I recruited somebody to start up basically a series of 101s for all kinds of different types of LARP. 
I even got a, a, a buffer LARP group from Orange County interested in, in running some 101s on, on that kind of stuff. So they're going to be equipment. running like a couple-hour scenario? Exactly, a couple-hour scenario where they just take whoever's interested, and they, give, they give them the basic rules, and they run like a, a, a short little like interactive do, adventure. Does the hotel know that this, there's going to be a bunch of people running down the halls? With we, 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 we actually had that discussion with them. Yeah, but did they know that this was going to be boring? No, we actually did some demo games okay. of that for the catering manager to show what, what it's like. Um, but nonetheless, it's gonna, it, we're, we're just going to have, like, on Saturday and Sunday, in the, in the midday um, and in the evening, some, some games that are available at entry level that are completely cool. totally open for people mm-hmm. to just walk up and say, you no, Yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the blind spots that we've actually gotten a lot of request for it's like I hear, it's, I hear it all the time man I'd like to do some LARPing eh, well, I don't know not... how I don't know where I don't yeah know exactly do that? well the, the, the LARPing a lot of LARPing groups tend to be kind of insular they don't they don't like uh, a lot of outside people because you know that, that un- unfortunately the hobby tends to have a very uh, has tends to have some kind of a stigma to it still well that yes but also there's also these long running campaigns right and if you weren't in on the and, and you get get dropped into a vampire LARP right. so that's like, that's like the Dying Kingdoms one that, that comes to our con once a year I want to say it's Game Edge yeah, I yeah. think I'm not sure yeah I think so and, and that's that's their big year in event going on so, for 10 years yeah, yeah exactly years. but for because the very nature of those games it's very difficult for them to be super inclusive yeah. So we wanted to come up with a uh, way for people to access the hobby, and they go, "Oh man, this is kind of neat. Maybe I can run some games on the side, or you know, and, and just sort of like start things up." And that's you know the same thing that I'm trying to go with uh, games on demand, having a, a large area with people that can just walk up from anywhere and just go and play a two-hour <coughs> playing game with a minimal time investment. Right. Uh, play a quick game and just find out what RPGs is about, what RPGs are about, and it's, or it's games in general. Games in general, you know, and and. Uh, I think that it's in the convention's best. If you want to look at advice for adventure uh, for conventions, create events and situations where you're exposing people that otherwise would not have been exposed to a hobby. I, I, I use hobby. conventions as my gateway into games that I wouldn't have tried. I'd like exactly. to be curious about. It. Like uh, even with board games, like mm-hmm. I think I played Settlers of Catan because I'd never. I'm like. Everybody's played it except me, and I don't want to go to my friends and say, I've never played this. So I'm like, it's like saying you've never watched Star Wars. Right. So <laughs> I can do this at the con. Under, you know, and I, I went to the games on the band. The guy's like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll go through it. We'll set it up. Yeah. Um, same thing with a role-playing game. Sometimes there's these fringe systems. I don't know. I don't want right. to dole out 60, 70, 80 bucks on something I might be curious about. I've got a bunch of books. So why don't we play the game and see what it, see with all the hubbub? Well, that, that, that was, when, when I started coming to these cons, that's exactly what I would do. I'd find the oddest, weirdest, most inexplicable thing, and I'd go play it. That's, yeah. that's what yeah. I wanted. That was, the first time I came to the con, I was in high school. I was 13 years old, and I had just started playing uh, Warhammer 40K, and I came for a tournament. And got my ass handed to me, of course, because I was young and new to the game. And then, but it's like, oh, there's all this other cool stuff. And they were very inclusive. They were like, hey, sit down. I said, I walked by one time. It was a, it was a That's civil a war really game. That's a really key point. And it was. And, I, and you know, it was a civil war game. And I, just, I literally just stood there and goes, hey, this looks pretty cool. And they go, do you want to play? It's here, a con. Here, Come sit here. down. Here's These are your guys. Here you go. Our turn's next. Give us a few minutes. Those people are awesome. Well, that's yes. exactly and right. That, and that's, that's what I wanted. And that that's was the, the way it should be. Conventions and, are about building communities. Yeah. That's, what they, that's why so, they exist. And that's what started the whole thing. Is so, so now when I go to con, you know, I look at like I look at my schedule. I look at Jim's schedule. I look at all the stuff. I go, okay, uh, don't know what this is. Sounds cool. Want to try that? Want to try that? Well, I just want to check out the new stuff, something new, something I haven't done before. You know, that's because that's a, a friend of mine. His his approach to what con at con should be is he's the guy who does the big midway game. Is con is a lot of times for that stuff you can't do at home. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And his his take is big, huge, showy, flashy stuff. Fine. That that applies. It absolutely applies Her. there. But at the same time, is I'm not going to see these games anywhere else. Mm. Right. So. It's like, where else are you going to be able to find Pugmire on the reg? Or laser ponies. Exactly. Right. You know. Uh, okay. This is also from Tomes. Tomes is full of questions. Uh, Tomes is going to end up running this con. Is what Thoughts on a code of conduct? We Don't actually, be a dick. Let, let me finish. Let me, oh, let me, sorry. Let me finish. Uh, I personally think things are pretty good at Strategic Con. However, I've noticed m- that many cons, other than Strategic, strategic Con, con. Uh, have done a brilliant job at formalizing inclusive, inclusivity in recent years, such as Big Bad Con. Yeah, Big Bad Con did a fantastic job. Any if you look at their splash page and their, their code of conduct, it is very thorough and extremely well, well done and well phrased. Any thoughts on whether that's going to happen at Strategicon? I, I ask because I emailed about it but never really heard anything back. <laughs> Probably emailed Eric. Uh, well, it... You, you also got to understand that in an organization like this, it's uh, change is difficult uh, because it's, uh, uh, and trying to get certain people to do certain. I don't think it, I don't think it's just this con. I think that that's fair. That's, to, that's say fair about, to say about everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, search groups, YMCA, even gaming groups. We, um, change is it's hard to do. But I, I see the the point of that, uh, and because uh, as a matter of fact, I've had a couple of issues where people have had, uh, well, there have been a couple of trans people that have had some issue with people uh, being rude to them at the mm-hmm. convention. Uh, rude I, as in, like, as in like confrontational? Confrontational, like, saying shitty shit uh, to them, to their face. That's uh, fucked up. They, which is totally fucked up. Uh, but I have found that the vast majority of the times that that happened, the person that is the aggressor is not a convention goer. They're mm-hmm. just a, they're just somebody at that hotel. Oh, really? Okay. Because the three times where I've actually been been able to actually <coughs> try to run down who it is, it's been somebody without a badge. It, you know, that, that's just staying at the hotel, uh, being a prick to random people. Right. Um, but I, I I I informed the people that were um, that were uh, assaulted, for lack of a better word, uh, accosted. Accosted. That's a good. That's a much better word. Uh, that. Under no circumstances do I tolerate that behavior. And if somebody, if there's a convention goer that 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 does something like that to you, come see me immediately. I have no problem pulling a motherfucker's badge. Sure, I think Absolutely that's, I think no that's true with any bad behavior that you see. I get love throwing people out. We love throwing people out. out. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, but no, it, 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 it for me in my department, and I think that pretty universally throughout the convention. Um, there's a zero tolerance policy to that kind of that that kind of crap, uh, but I do agree that it should be formalized in a in a code. There is a code of conduct in the in the con book. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 it it it, it does need some retooling. It's probably it's probably outdated. <laughs> no, it, it's, like it's way outdated. It's, it's probably written in the '90s. Uh, you know, uh, but it, it it's definitely something that I've sent messages about because I've had situations uh, come up because of it. Uh, but I I would. I would assume that sometime in the near future that 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 will change. We are making some uh, some headway and and sort of 
altering and improving the face of the convention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you wanna, if it's written in the 90s, you might want to check that out. I mean, we've talked about the fact that when we started gaming, there were virtually no women that would game. They were yeah. boyfriends and girls. And now I go there and it Isn't seems it amazing like a lot now? of the GMs are women. This is not a sexist thing at all. I'm just noticing a trend. It's just I've just noticed no, like no, no, since we started I mean, the podcast. Seriously. And well, it, you're right. It, it has become more inclusive as a more. whole. Yes. Our, our vampire game is 60% women players. Yes. Which... Which, when we were gaming... Was unheard of. Unheard of. Un yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there used, to, there used to be a, a running joke about, well, yeah, they don't... But now... The silence that would fall over the game store when a girl walked in was all... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. No, yeah. You're that not kidding. Kid, I'm, I'm not kidding. has stories about that. I have a great story oh, about that. do it. <laughs> this guy walks into the game store, our first games we were hanging out. We were playing uh, Feng Shui, the card game. Yep. And we're playing, and the guy walks up with some a bunch of flowers. And he goes, hey, I'm selling these flowers at a super discounted price. Would you like some? And we're like, no, no, no. Come on, you can get it for your wives or girlfriends. Like, what, what did I say? You know uh, the so, gaming so store, Jim, right? So Jim from the back, without even looking down from his cards, just laughs heartily. Foolish old man, this is a game store. There are no girlfriends here. <laughs> That's what I said. In that tone, in that timber, and he just turned around and walked out. We never saw him again. I totally Dr. Orpheus. The whole oh, thing was hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I love Dr. Orpheus. See, now I was waiting for you to say, and he had this shill. And the next thing you know, the almost unbelievably hot woman walks in, and everybody was going after, hey, the guy going to get roses. So, yeah, he missed his opportunity. Oh, well, that's we, we, we've had that story too. My girlfriend came up into the store one day, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Hey, she wants to take her shirt off. I'm not going to stop her. <laughs> but you're right. But and not only that is code of conduct. That's right true. There. Well, but this is at a game store, <laughs> and that's up to them. Um, but you know, at the con, and it was his girlfriend. So. And it was. That's all right. She wants to do it. That's fine. But um, uh, families. Just I mean, just yeah, general. a lot of families. It's, it's it's not a boy girl thing anymore. Now no, it it's. Isn't. Now, now it's you know, like you said, you're bringing your kids, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you see it a lot when 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 we first started really hardcore working for this convention, we were part of an organization called Special Projects Team. Yeah. And like I said, his friend that said, you know, big showpiece things should be at con, games that people sh can't play at home should be represented. Our main goal was to offer large games or things that wouldn't be generally something you could play at home. That was the goal of the organization. One, one of the years what we did was run small demos of like a dozen little games. We did mm -hmm. Battletech, we did... Uh, like a spaceship game. We did a bunch of things. And the amount of moms that would just end up bringing their kids and sort of hanging out with them during mm -hmm. that time while we taught them a game and then being very appreciative of how nice we were to their kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just that was just a great experience. And I think, like, you know, it's like those are the kids that are going to come back with their kids or they're going to come back and run games and teach other kids. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 so, it's such what a well, well, it is cause, situation. Exactly, because it, that <coughs> happened to me when I was 13. I'm going to the con now. My seven-year-old, he only comes out for the day, but he comes out, and he's made the rounds, man. And people go, hey. Oh, that's me. People go, hey, sit down, play this. You know, he likes dust. He likes uh, most of the miniature stuff because it's all flashing. It's in that room. It's big. And he likes big red. robots. Yeah. Big robots that are red. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a boy. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Seven-year-old boy. But same thing, though. But and, and as a general rule, we get that. Like, if he stops and looks for 30 seconds too long, they're all, do you, do you want to try it out? I mean, you'd be surprised how fast these people running these events are like, they're just falling over themselves to get you to a chair, sit you down, and hand you some dice, and say, "Okay, you're next. Hang on a second. Be right with you." I love that, yeah. and it's great. I think it's perfect because it, it, it's it's what it should be. It, it's in no, theory. I mean, that's, that's why that's we my... went from 20 miniatures events to what do we have now? Uh, 95. <laughs> Holy know? metric! Wow, that's a huge it's a lot. Wow. It's, 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 a lot I mean, that's exactly why because you uh, you fostered a situation in your department where things are open, things are friendly, things are active. 
uh, and generally eye-catching. Yeah. And, and, you know, you really turn that department around. Well, let me ask you this, then. Are you seeing your demographic change? Is it change? Is this not, no longer 50-year-old men and with beards and suspenders, and now you've got a lot of kids and families? Yes. Because, I mean, we, we I, I, specifically, so X-Wing, you see, you see X-Wing miniatures? Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's huge. huge. Game. Top I mean, selling miniature in the world. Yeah, yeah. Monster yeah. game for us. We literally have two tournaments, adults and kids. Oh, no kidding. We have a separate awesome. kids tournament at the same time. So they don't feel like they're different, but it's it's, it's a separate. I mean, they get their own pay scale and everything That's else. That's really but it's smart. Just for them. That's really smart. You know, and then we actually the and and and, and it's funny because I have one family who uh, they volunteer for me. You know, they help me by the HQ, and and the father runs tons of kids events. Uh, anybody here familiar with uh, uh, Claydonia or Clayorama? No, that's a game that came out in Dungeon Magazine. Yes, that's a Play-Doh game, right? That's the Play-Doh game. You build your monster from Play-Doh, and you fight. fight, And if you like, take a leg off, you get to take their leg and add it to your. Zach would love that. Oh yeah, the Sunday at (laughs) ten. Okay, just so you know. But that was the thing, and it's funny because when I first started going to con a long time ago, the adults (coughs) loved that game, and it was always a midnight game. Mm -hmm. We didn't want anybody to know they were going to play it. (laughs) <laughs> well, which is, you know... I, or it was a drinking game. Yeah. After, it's yeah, it's, a, it's probably game. more that one. Yeah, though. it's a great but, game to play. And then playing went, midway all day, and you're moving your squadrons around. It's nice to play with Play-Doh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a giant crab with four right. legs. You know, just whatever. <laughs> but so now we brought it back, and the kids play it, and they love it. You know, we do the X-Wing specifically for them. And uh, we've got a few other games. Uh, there's a guy who comes occasionally that does, uh, uh, like, a jousting game. Yeah, Taste the Lance. Yeah, Taste the Lance. And it's what great. a great name. It is a great name. <laughs> and I mean, he's his little, his little, the field he makes looks great. And then he goes the next, list, mind you, the list. And then yes. when you after you've done it, he actually writes you out a uh, like certificate. a certificate. Oh, that's so fun. So oh. I mean, I, we, you, you do what and you And basically, can. what he's doing is a one-on-one competition. You guys just yeah, do your little exactly. miniature thing and move in, and then mm-hmm. yeah, that's so smart. And then you get a certificate. Exactly. I love that. Uh, but that's chemo, man. He's just a great, great guy. Yeah. Have you? So have you noticed the demographics changing since you've been running it? Uh, I've noticed a less of a family uh, uh, attraction in role-playing games than Mike has. Uh, there's not a lot of children uh, playing in RPGs, which makes me sad. But uh, we have we're working on it. But, but I'm have first. We have you a lot have of, to get them. We have a lot of GMs. Then that are you have to raise them to the point that. where they can. Exactly. <laughs> right. I, I think it's a natural I'm getting, progression. I'm getting there. As it's fast a natural as progression. I no, I think that there are more GMs becoming interested in that, uh, um, and and because I've seen the amount of family games sort of uptick well, slowly. That's what I was saying. I spotting the trend. I've noticed more and more games like on our drive through RPG. Uh, I, I ran into one the other day, the PIP system, mm-hmm. which, oh, is, yeah, yeah. which is all aimed at simplifying the <coughs> system so that you can tell the story, and it's really no, aimed for families and kids. And there are a lot of great uh, family and kid RPGs out there, and actually Stu ran uh, that Hero, Hero Kids, kids. I'm, which I'm, is fantastic. I'm, I'm prepping it. I didn't put it in the thing, but I'll offer it for games on demand okay. if I can. Oh, by the way... Oh, yeah, I noticed you didn't put in any games. I didn't. Oh, fuck That's because I'm... In that the, was a very disproving look, sir. Yes, it was. I I'm was, used to still running games in my con I, to feather I, in my hat. My plate is so full right now. Nah, I totally I can't even that. begin. But I, but I, I'm going to get a, um, a Hero Kids game. Fantastic. Fantastic. You, you, you don't have to put up with the shit. Just no, so you don't. Know. Absolutely. No, I love his shit. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I got asked by uh, Benji, uh, where do you find out about games on demand? Uh, well, Games on Demand is uh, listed in the com- in the combo and, uh, and on the it's under, under it's God, mind you, because it's G-O-D, the best, yeah. best anagram ever. Now, uh, is all the information for it in the the anti? I know. I know. Uh, there is one setting. Uh, 
because uh, instead of basically just putting a bunch of random things throughout the day, it only, it's only going on on Saturday. It's going on pretty much all day Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since it's so loosey-goosey about what can happen there, it's very difficult for me to list on the website exactly what's going on. Uh, so what I did is I just said Games on Demand, GMs and Games Various, and I put a small description of what Games on Demand is as one setting that's going on between 9 and 8 on Saturday. Uh, and that's how you see it. So if, but, if I wanted uh, to play Games on Demand, how would you do it? But uh, long story short, you just go down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have signage at my HQ as to where to find the Games on Demand. You go to the subterranean you anti-chamber. Go, you, go, you go to the subterranean <laughs> anti-chamber. <laughs> Lobby. You go down to the dungeon, the front end. You can't say the, the D word. I can say what no. I want. bomb shelter. Oh, we'll call it the bomb, bomb shelter. shelter. <laughs> Excuse me, it's the foyer it, to the bomb the shelter. <laughs> the bomb shelter foyer. Um, Sorry, but uh, basically the way that the way that it works in games demand, the the way of the model <coughs> works is that you show up. There's a list of games on a board of uh, uh, GMs that 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 have these games available. And this is a whiteboard. That, this is a whiteboard that whiteboard. Tomes will put up. Tomes right. is fantastic and and is running this for me. Uh, but he's going to have a list of games and the GMs that are, that are running them. And then what you do when you walk up and say, oh, that looks interesting. And you walk up to that GM and say, I want to play this game. And then once you get three or four people to walk in and play and want to play a game, boom, you just start the game. It, it used to be much more informal that I, I ran into uh, the Laughing Moon uh, people. They mm-hmm. just sort of set up and they would just sort of run a game if they had enough people showed up and did yeah. stuff. But now it's more formalized. Yeah, and it's a little bit more formalized and it's actually a, a, a legitimate event. And... Um, and 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 they're usually shorter. Yeah, they're very short form, two hour games, uh, generally. So what it is, it's 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 sort of a cross between a demo and an event in a way, because it's it's short like a demo, but it's still an actual RPG game. It's not something designed to sell you on anything. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just simply designed to sell you on a hobby. Uh, so I you find see, it to be a, a low investment way for you to be able to investigate the hobby, which is so my goal. And the, the Hero Kids is even, I think, better suited for that because, I mean, the, most of those scenarios only take an hour. There are a ton of games that and are And usually right around the time the, the kids, kids are going to start losing interest. Exactly. They're it's finishing up and you're, they're you're done. paying attention, but you know they're going to start. Not only that, but the two-hour period is like, you know, you, you, if you got to spam between games, you don't feel like grabbing something to eat, it's a great way for you to basically just... You know, spackle some time in right. with something so entertaining. They're, the game, it's not, they're not time slotted, though. They're not time slotted. So it's like it, it, whoever's available is going to make themselves available for. Exactly. Okay. The GM says, I'm going to be here between these hours and I got these games available. And he's just going to stick just around. Need to get and, Gary Mack to run his tune games again on Games on Demand. I'll talk to him about it. He, he, uh, Bill ran a, a tune game and they said, yeah, Everybody goes to go try this. And I've never laughed so hard than the tune game with Gary Mack. And, he, and it lasts about two hours. Because yeah. that's about all you can sustain for laughing for two hours. Another great game is Jim Pinto's Murder Hobo would be awesome on Games mm-hmm. on Demand too. Mm-hmm. If you haven't played that, it's just fantastically good. Um, I love Jim. Any more questions? Yeah, there, there are. They've been scrolling by, so I'm <laughs> going back to find them. Uh, okay, uh, it, it's 27, 27 days. It's not 27 days till the con. The con's seven days away. Yeah. Seven days, 18 hours till JackerCon. Oh, oh no, till JackerCon. So JackerCon is an ad for JackerCon. Yes, no, our but, fans but, let me do, let me do plug. Let me uh, do I plugs. love online cons. Good. Uh, it's 27 days, 18 hours until JackerCon. What are the guests' thoughts on it? I don't have any thoughts on it. Yet. I'm sorry. I, I, I think that I keep saying I'll try to try to. If you want, if you actually really wanted to start a convention from nothing out in the middle of nowhere, it's something for you to consider. That's the guy that runs this is a crab boat. 
guy. He works on the crab boat in Alaska and has, has <coughs> cobbled together this Jackercon, and it it works. It runs like I don't know a couple yeah. or like a couple of four days. There's actually three or four Everybody like independent in. online cons, and 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 they're really usually fairly well organized because basically all you're doing is setting up uh, times for people to meet online, either on, right. on Google Hangouts or on Skype or one of the myriad ways that you do it. Although I believe Hangouts actually has uh, the software you can use to put uh, miniatures and a field out and actually manipulate a, uh, a sort of like a board. Um, I think it's called, what is Forge? Uh, there's Roll20 and there's Gameforge. There's yeah. a couple of those those things out there, but I think JackerCon is... It's like primarily Google+. Plus. Google+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, it actually, or Google Hangouts. Google Hangouts is a great format for that. Uh, but... Seriously, it's it's almost a zero dollar investment way for you to start a convention, mm-hmm. uh, and then what you can do is actually build interest there. And if you wanted to start a physical one after that, but really, if you're if you're hard up for resources, if you're remote, like mm-hmm. your crab fisherman, it's actually a great option. It's not that difficult to to set up. When I've played on these things, I've played with people in Switzerland and and mm-hmm. all you know. I mean, it's this great international community that that uh, you would never otherwise ne- ever get to meet. Be able to access. They, ever, they can't ever. fly into LAX exactly. to do Orcon. Well, it's kind of like your Happy Jacks forums. There's people from all walks of life and yeah. all over the world. It's just a fantastic community. And uh, so, it, it, JackerCon, I, I I highly recommend people try JackerCon because a uh, Happy Jacks generally tends to have a high-quality product as far as games go, just because the people that listen to this podcast are very committed to the hobby. And uh, B, it's a great way for you to actually just try new, try new things for, like I said, a zero-cost right. sort of entry. Other um, than the commitment of a four-hour game with strangers. Other than the commitment of time, yeah. 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 It, 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 it's, it's, I believe it's the future of convention gaming in a lot of ways. Oh, I hope not. I like going to hotels. And- uh, well, yeah, but the thing is, though, is I, I think, especially if we had the bandwidth to support it, I don't see why we couldn't have more, you know, I mean, especially when it comes like to the role-playing side of things. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't you have a room set up for that? Oh, you mm-hmm. co- absolutely could. I mean, yeah, but you, you don't have... Ma- the, imagine you don't, technological-based games on demand. You don't have the bandwidth to support email there, though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, yes, I you know, I agree with you one hundred percent. Right, we don't. Good luck getting a phone call. Ignoring anymore. the current limitations, I tried. I tried to stream our last. You mean oh. it's not just us? The internet suffering? laughed at really? me. It actually went. Oh. You're so cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh, as a matter Google, of fact, we Google have we have another we have another podcast coming into the convention. Uh, I know. Uh, that is basically. Um, don't tell me. Saving throw. No. Uh, it's a whole new thing that they're starting a whole new channel. I thought, uh, haha. Uh, although the saving throw, <laughs> saving throws—they're going to be there. They're going to be there, yeah. but I don't know if they're going to actually do s- stuff for the podcast straight out of here. But these oh guys, no, no, they're, yeah, they're these guys are actually going to do sort of like man on the street out. They're going to—they're going to show the convention. They're going to interview people at the convention. It's also video like based, isn't it? Yeah, it's video based. It's a YouTube type of thing. And yeah, that sounds much more like a YouTube thing. It's not a podcast. Yeah, say. it's a vidcast or okay. a, a vlog. Well, that's what we're vlog. Yeah, we're transitioning between right. those two now. And uh, these guys are a bunch of actually actual Hollywood trained uh, video artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're bringing a whole lot of resources to bear on this. Oh, and, awesome. and, and it's not just the convention. They they want to do stuff at the convention, but they're going to be doing other things year-round. And it's the, the reason why I think it's kind of cool is that it's not just uh, a solely RPG <coughs> uh, community. It's all gaming, and they're going to talk about all kinds of different types of gaming, right. which, which is really kind of neat. So hopefully that will work out for those guys. I already did an interview with them last week. I don't know. The whole exclusivity thing works so well for Facebook. I don't know. If, uh... <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know how, how they're going to really uh, sort of stomp on your demo. I don't think that that's going to happen. But they're definitely going to they're definitely going to put uh, more of they're a, welcome to stomp on. A, Listen, a visual <laughs> face on the convention. Stu, Stu's whole idea with the bloggers when we first started was like we are not in competition with anybody. We like we have to earn our own crowds, and it's not about us taking your crowds or you taking our crowds. This is if if we're not putting butts in hay bales, that's on us. It's not that you're taking our crowds. So. I, well, the thing is, the, to, the people that are going to be fans of, of your podcast are going to continue to be well, fans it, of your podcast. Of course. Not I think, I, 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 I and if they won't, I'll fire them. <laughs> I fire <laughs> listeners all the time. It's like, you, what? Who did you, who did you let's listen to? You can't listen to the show anymore. Yeah. I do it all the time. And, and, and <laughs> me, I, I just think that more people... In, Exposing, exposing the hobby is, is only going to be good. That's exactly right. That's the way the board looked at it uh, when I when I proposed it was like this is just straight up more visibility yeah. for the. It made total sense. Yeah. Well, because I mean, because I think as a general rule though, um, so from the from the standpoint of like, I guess you can start from like the top at the the, the board of directors. We're all we all play everything. We're all gamers. This is kind of what we do. So if if if. If we add more people to it, you know, make it less, you know, in the shadows and bring it out. Because now, you know, so we've, we've added some people to the community just because whether it's and whether, whether your gateway drug is your Catan or is your video game or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be, it doesn't matter. Try something else out, mm-hmm. find what you like, and run with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you find, though, that perhaps there were people in the past that were like, this is my own exclusive club, go away, I don't want you here? If uh, I, do you mean yesterday in the past? <laughs> I, I'm also a member of the HMGS, <coughs> Historical Miniature Gaming Society, and we still That's have right. those people. There's a legit division between the we should be inclusive of people or we should be... Exclusive. Or Well, not, not it's, it's not that, but it's like... The term grognard, the grumbler, the guy who has to be a very like certain they're, way. They're all, they're all fans of heavy vetting for additional members of them. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, you're exactly right. But the Extreme problem is, vetting. But these you know, I, had, I had some heavy vetting in high school once. That was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, you had to drive in all the time. You had heavy vetting in the train store. <laughs> but, but the, that was the you pulled store. that off? That's awesome. Oh, But uh, the thing is, though, is... Seriously, dude, if you get guys. a blowjob at a train store, you're at the Mac. That's it. You're done. That is the ultimate thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's, well, yeah. You know no, what? Yeah, truth. <laughs> no, go ahead and finish. And I'll, I'll tell you guys an, an example of grog, train grognard. Yes. Uh, grog on. But, and so, but these are the same guys who, you know, don't want you to look at their stuff. They kind of want to do their own thing. But they're going to be the same four, six, eight guys playing in somebody's garage until they all die off. And it's one dude sitting around looking at his painted stuff all mad. Yeah, but, right. but they don't understand that that's what they're doing because I can't tell you how many times, like, I would, early on in conventions back up in Oregon, we go to the Phoenix Con or whatever, and these people were not great communicators to begin with, and they're all real insular, and they, you mm-hmm. know, their friends would show up and play in the games, and you were like, can we come in? <coughs> no, no, no. It's like, well, then why are you at a convention playing in public if you're not going to allow people Indeed. to do yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, if you can just put a table in your garage and play with your friends, go ahead and do that. But if you want to basically just go there and just sort of block everybody off from seeing what you're doing, then go do that. This is not the place for you. But there, there is a history of that. Absolutely. And, but, and the thing is, though, but even even today, in, in, in at least in the local HMGS chapter, there is, that's not gone. It's less because there's younger people who, and the younger people are more more inclusive because... You know, especially the second generation ones, where it's like, well, because you're always trying to talk your friends into doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and that's. I think that's probably the big part is we used to hang out at a game store constantly, and it's like anybody who knew who walks in, hey, look at my stuff. 
Would you like to play with my stuff too? Get your own stuff. We can play together. Well, also the the, the initiation and hazing was uh, there. Yeah. There was. Well, of course there is. Yeah. Last well, But but that. Uh, <laughs> well, and there yeah, was also just, there was some vetting because occasionally you could end up with some weird people. I mean, I remember we we at various games stores were like we couldn't get away from that guy fast enough. We're like, oh fuck! Don't don't anybody give him us our addresses. No, no we don't even want to know. Dark Floors closed <coughs> 14, 15, 16 years ago, I think by now. And all the guys we gained with did not necessarily make it into our current circle of friends. Yeah, right. Just, just right. It goes, but you know, you can't pick and choose. But you can't always. But the thing is, though, is when you have those people, the, your options are shun and ignore or tolerate. That's the thing is that uh, if if we if we did something to discourage or or remove people like that from the convention in general, we're just as bad as they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 The, the simple fact of the matter, and a lot of the attitude that you have to have when you're running game, when you're running things for this convention, is is you got to keep in mind, it's not wrong, it's not right, it's just different, and that's okay. Yeah. And people uh, should but let be free me know to, if they cross a line. But you know, but the well, thing is, if they're harming, there are there are lines, lines. Yeah. if you're harming somebody else, of course, or or or, or you know, doing things that that are, are mean or, or you know, if you, if you make a child cry, yeah, something needs to be done. But if you're just going to be sort of like surly and keep to yourself and want to play your game and not let anybody touch your miniatures, you know, fine. Nobody's going to bug you. Nobody's going to bug you. Just stay in You know, you, you can do your thing. But because at the same time, for every guy that's going to go, no, you can't, don't even look at him, there's going to be two or three guys who are like, yeah, sit down, here, take this, this is yours. Yeah, and, and as long as the majority of people that are there are the ones that are more inclusive, let the, let the, the guys that want to play their own thing on the side, let yeah. them. That's fine. I don't, I don't care. Um, Poway Alex, I'm sorry about where you live. Uh, if you're willing to run a game, uh, game on demand, how do you sign up to be a GM? Uh, you would contact Tomes. You can contact him on the, uh, on the actual forum. And uh, say these are the games that I want to run, and uh, he's basically organizing the the people, and is going to be over there basically listing the games. And you can so find him on the strategic on website. You can too, also, right? yeah, uh, or you can contact me directly. And but he's, will, he's on our forum a lot. He's on the forum yeah. a lot. But you can contact me directly, saying that you got these things you want, to, and I will just I, I will direct you to the place that you need to go. Uh, uh, I don't want to give Tomes information out in general, of course, uh, but. Like I said, uh, his email address and social security number are. No. <laughs> Just uh, forward the information to me, and I will make sure it ends up at the right place. And really, uh, there's no... Uh, the, the, the awesome thing about Games on Demand, there's really no need for you to really communicate a lot up front. You can actually literally just on Saturday show up and say, I got these three games, I'll run any one of them. I got five or six hours to waste. And then table, we'll put it up on the freaking dry erase board and you're good to go. Uh, there's very little prep that you need to do for us to actually just participate as a GM or a player in Games On Demand. It is the most loosey-goosey thing that you could possibly do. And I'm going to assume that anybody that's running a Games On Demand is going to have characters for you. Yeah, right? well, you I know. Because I played a game at the last con. It wasn't the Games On Demand, but the man, the guy was really astonished that no, I didn't show up with my own character. <coughs> uh, there, Things have sort of filtered into my department because we got uh, <laughs> pulled out of other things. Organized, uh, organized, play. organized play type stuff. Uh, there's a lot of Shadowrun uh, missions going on in my mm-hmm. department yeah. now. There was a Shadowrun game. That's funny. Shit's probably no, Shadowrun's well, mission. Yeah, yeah. yeah but because missions is their organized play. Yeah, but it so, wasn't missions. It was a. Uh, oh, really? It was just a guy from Texas that said he guys flew him in and he. Yeah, anyway. We'll talk about it off, off air. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about that, but. Uh, Me too. In general, <laughs> uh, 
in general, if you're going to run something for games on demand, it has to be sort of like a, a ready to go. You have the four or five characters that you need. You have a, 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 at least an idea for an adventure, and you have access to the rules to be able to uh, teach them to, to whoever it was. So right. I, I think that primarily what you want to do as you're sort of prepping for doing something for games on demand is like in your brain, just think you're doing a demo for this game. Yeah. Uh, run it and write it as if it were a demo, uh, because generally that's what you do it. And, and like I said, you're not running, you're not trying to sell Fate Accelerated. You're trying to sell role playing games. That's 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 what you're doing. You're you're selling right. the hobby uh as part of the demo and the more high energy and the, the more inclusive you could be with those games uh, the better you know and really it, it's like the, the games on demand's gems and, all, and in a lot of ways just all of my gems are sort of shills for the hobby uh when you look at it because you know they, they they give they give up their time and their energy to just run these games that anybody can walk into so you know they're basically just selling the hobby sure i, I kind of feel like you're, you you got this World War Two hangar full of gyms just sort of sitting there waiting. You're like, 42! You're on mission! Yes, sir! And off they go. <laughs> uh, well, Games on Demand actually kind of works like that. That's sort of like the, the way that it is. You have basically a stable, for lack of a word, of gyms uh, that, that, have, <laughs> that have a certain list of games that they're available to run, and you basically just choose from that. And, uh, and, and that's the way that that particular game model works. And as a GM, if you have one person or you have six people, you just got to roll with it. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that's up to you. And, and, and that's the thing that, that I, I find to be the most difficult part of, of, of starting off this entire endeavor is the fact that it's difficult. It's easy for people to get discouraged if things don't go off. You know, I mean, there's nothing worse than, than prepping for months yeah. for a game. Yeah. Going to con, putting your stuff down, and nobody signs up or walks in. Yeah. And it sucks. Right. And I know that it sucks. Depressing. But it's totally depressing, and it's a total blow to your own ego. Oh. And, and I, I've been through it, and I sure. know what it's like. Throwing a party, and no one shows up. Exactly. Uh, but the, the thing about it is, not to have vested ego in it, it's just, it just is what it is. It just, whatever you had just didn't grab people, or you had a bunch of things that were running opposite of you that you know what, though? more people as it, gravitated <coughs> As a new GM or as a GM, that's, I, I think a Games on Demand would be more forgiving than actually scheduling a game and no one signs up. If you're on, on Games on Demand, right. at least one, maybe two people show up and you're like, hey, cool, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. And, and, it's and, a little more forgiving, at least to my mind. It is, because you know, you're, you're sort of sitting there and, and, and the, uh, the, the, the expectation is you're only going to get a trickle of, uh, of people coming in at first. You know that's that's sort of the expectation, and mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this grows into a much larger situation, and people become as they become more aware of it and become more aware at the uh, at Strategic Con RPG Twitter uh, account as well uh, that there will be more butts and more seats being more happy because sure. you're going to have more more availability of games uh, and and less of a situation now, where everything got signed up for and I can't play nothing. Ex you, you kind of ran over it fast. Explain that Twitter thing because okay. one, of, one of the things that... I, 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 I've noticed it myself where people are coming in looking for a, a seat at a game and and then after the, that, that session's over, someone comes up and says, yeah, I only had two people in my game. Well... Oh, and it's a pain in the butt, right? And right. and 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 or you're a GM that needs a cup uh, leads one more people or a couple more people to fill the game, or you don't have any, or you're you're a player that didn't seem to get into anything that they wanted. They were like a and number two all on a couple things. And, and you're like, uh, but uh, what I did was I started the at Strategicon RPG Twitter handle, and what I started that for was for people to basically tweet at that that handle and go, hey. 
I need two more people to play in my uh, in paranoia game on the eight o'clock slot on Saturday. I, I, anybody interested? Or hey, I couldn't get into anything on the 8 o'clock Sunday. Are there any open tables, blah, blah, blah. So if you monitor that Twitter, you'd be able to pick <coughs> up on, people would be able to send out into the ether, hey, I need a game, or hey, I need players, and people would be able to respond. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, and, I, and I've put that Twitter handle and what it's for on every single sign-up sheet. Oh, okay. And, and at the tables, even for the GM, because if the GM has it, I'm actually putting. Spot. You know how I have the table number sheets? I'm actually right. going to put that on those table number sheets on every table. That's a so. new thing because I didn't even know that existed until just now. I think that's uh, really cool. Yeah, I actually announced that uh, a couple of conventions ago at the podcast. But like, I, yeah, you may have announced it. We were all hammered. I did, that didn't sink in. Until Jib just was now. like, "Oh, this is freaking great." <laughs> I think he thought it was good. And it goes, "But be warned, it's probably going to take a while for it to, to to really catch on." And I'm like. Yeah, but it's there, and I'm going to keep telling people about it until it does. Or if it doesn't, whatever. But uh, I wanted to make tools available to people to be able to fill games better. Kind of and relabel it like GM Lifeline. Now, uh, now uh, Kimmy just joined and complains because you're not you're sitting off center. Anyway, she said that the the, the biggest problem with the twi- Twitter account is the reception is the Wi-Fi reception of the hotel. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's better since we we left the bunker. Yeah. <laughs> Lobby. The, the, the hey, look, the, the, the Wi-Fi is actually a whole lot better on the second floor than it was in the lower lobby. The shelter lobby. The shelter lobby. The lower lobby. <laughs> uh, which is funny because we called it the Dungeon. Now Adventures League is down there, and it makes me happy. Uh, but uh, <laughs> actually, I, I, I dungeons fun. and all they need is the dragon. There's. I have a funnier dungeon story. Well. Give me a second. Go ahead. <laughs> what was I saying again? Oh, we were just. Oh, we were talking about the Twitter. The Twitter, Twitter. The Twitter oh, thing. Uh, the, the Twitter account. Yeah, and you know the, they're. Things that are beyond my control, uh, of course. Uh, but you know, it it without there's really very little other way I can think of other than basically just sort of putting a sign up board out somewhere that will obviously probably never work uh, because of the the instantaneous. Well, what time now, you, you've been to card clubs, right? Yeah, they got the board. There's sure. a, there's an empty you want right, you right. want to you want to play five ten. They write your name up there. Five ten tables got an empty seat. Oh look, there's someone up there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, literally the sign up sheets. The sign up sheets are up there until five minutes, or actually fifteen minutes after the game started. Yeah, right. So those are obvious connections to something that you might want to do. What what uh, what I'm talking about is there. You have your sign up sheet, and there's six people up there. Only four people showed. Right. You were expecting six. You have six and two alts, but only half those people showed. So at that point, you have to make a decision, and you have to try to fill that game relatively quickly, and you have to reach out. And, uh, and doing that in a more analog way is really very difficult to really pull off and execute well. Other than just sitting at your empty table sobbing? Only because yeah. everyone's already spread out already in all these different rooms. Already spread out in all yeah. these different rooms. And, and, yeah. and a lot of times people will just throw their hands up in the air if they can't get a sign in to something and just walk away. They yeah. won't just investigate and see. Let's just see. Walk, a lot, I, I, I see know. a lot of people walk from room to room I and do. see if there's a game. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I generally, game in, in general, I don't think that people really do that as much. Uh, but really, you know, it's one of those situations where don't be afraid of embarrassing yourself. You know, these people are here because they want you to play in their game. I think that that's key to hold on to. We're all sort of embarrassed. We don't want to inconvenience anybody. But exactly. it's like, and if you show up and he's like, hey, you're looking for a game? I, I got an empty seat. And you're like, 
okay, because that's happened to me. Yeah, it's happened to me, too. No, I, I, well, Kimmy just said that you should put signs in the rooms and on the tables about the Twitter account. That's Like I said, every single uh, uh, number sign that's on each individual table is going to have an explanation of the Twitter account and the Twitter account on it from now on. So every single table will have a brightly colored piece of paper with that information. And maybe on. even a little a little advert for Games on Demand in Probably, the yeah. antechamber. I, I'm thinking about actually doing some flyers for that as well. So, uh, And I was actually going to do that, that cool little... like. Uh, Orcon border that they had for the oh, Facebook yeah. site and actually yeah, yeah. doing games on demand using that art uh, as a way of doing it. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, and, and uh, long story short, Tomes, that's what I have <laughs> going on as far as changes. We have LARPs 101s and we have, we're still working on games on demand, the Twitter account uh, to help uh, fill seats. Uh, I think that the, the way that the, the binders and the signups are working right now are working great. Yeah, uh, I'm seeing a lot better distribution of players in games. Uh, uh, Pre-reg is working well as well. Yeah. I like the way that you have balanced it. Did you ever hear the show when we talked? We got a, uh, an email from from someone from Germany yeah. who said they don't have game pre-registration. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just yeah. like it was like they'd open up the door and everybody runs in. It's like I believe you like called Black it the running Friday. of the crowds. We did. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Black Friday. Everybody like runs in to go get a game. Go yeah. sign up for games as fast as they can. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. That. Uh, well. It, that, just, that, well, that baffles me because for whatever reason, despite all my years of doing this, miniature gamers don't ever pre-reg for anything. Oh, really? I, I, I literally, see, I have 95 events. As of yesterday, I've got 62 pre-regs total. Probably by the end of the weekend, I'll have 300 pre-regs. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. They just show up. I mean, and, and that's the thing is, I mean, I, I've got And then they're mad if I got no pre-regs for my Monday games. Th that's the problem, though. <laughs> there's almost never not been a place for them. Ah, I mean, that's because a lot of... And some of these guys show up to play in their friends' games. Anyway, like, I've got a guy who runs a game on Saturday and Sunday. It's a historical game. And he has the same eight guys every single time. They're, they're basically all his buddies. Yeah. And that's fine. That's okay. They're not going to pre-reg anything. They're just going to show up, play this game, and they're good to go. But pre-reg is a big thing in my department. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but the, the, you're having... One of the more. things that I love is that they actually gave us the ability to enter our own badges. Uh, the way that it used to work was when I had volunteer badges, I'd have to email Eric with all of that information. He would input that so you guys oh could pre-reg yeah. with those GM badges. That's right. <coughs> and it was just this gigantic pain in the butt. Uh, and now I can actually just enter my own badges. It's almost done. live. I mean, I, I've watched when I had games, we could watch our game fill up like in five, six hours or something, if that. Sometimes it was... It was 10 minutes. No, it's crazy. It's almost like buying Comic-Con tickets. People actually will log on in the second they do. that the switch is they, pulled. They just do. Like make, they make the yeah. The, the, the only one of my games I can reliably, like, when it, when it goes live at noon, by 12.10, the only game I know that we'll have pre-regs for is Circus Maximus. Cool. Uh, Kimmy also suggests that you have, um, uh, on tables, have um, a sign that you can flip that says open spots are full. Oh, so like, like no somebody can look in the room oh, and... Yeah. Full or vacancy, no vacancy, or something. Yeah, okay. that's a good point. Or like the sit down or kick rocks. Yeah. <laughs> or the um, what's the um, the what are those uh, the restaurants called? The Bra the Brazilian. The Brazilian, the, the red, yeah, red and green. Yeah, the little. <laughs> no, but actually, a little like turn on uh, the meat, turn off the meat. <clears throat> little sheets that actually, little cards that actually have uh, open seat or filled seat. Actually, that's that's, not that's, a, bad that's idea. a pretty genius. Kimmy, idea. Yeah. Wow. They go sitting at home coming up with ideas. Tell uh, tell Kimmy that Kimmy, I was very disappointed that I didn't see you at the march that we were both at. Oh snap! 
Because you were out there with all those shield maidens. Yeah, the shield maidens. Awesome. And I was at that same rally. I just never saw you. Well, it's because there were a lot of people. Uh, yeah, why is Games on Demand only being run on Saturday? Uh, because Tomes is running it, and he spends time with the family on Sunday. Okay. And he requested to only do it. It's still new. There you go. Yeah, it's still new. But you know, until I until I find somebody better to run it that can uh, maybe expand it, or until until the, the success of the Sunday or, or of the Saturday, until you can find someone better, or he dies, or he dies. That's right. <laughs> you think, are on notice. I think we know what you meant, but you didn't phrase that really well. <laughs> but but I, I'll tell you, when we do the September con, mm-hmm. it's the only one I could I could do it. I would be willing to to. Do Sunday. For well, me. I'll just put it out there. Because usually by that, Sunday, I'm not doing anything. Anybody anymore. that wants to help out with games on demand, shoot me an email. No, no, no. Anybody who wants to help out with anything ever, let yeah. us know. Let us know. <laughs> no, Is that I mean, how you guys got sucked into this hell? I mean, it's got to be hard sometimes. The, the, okay, project, here's the, the, the honest answer to that question is, I used to run the 40K tournament back in the mid-90s when the old ownership group was basically bringing money out of everything. It was kind of an old boys club. Mm-hmm. And my treatment at their hands pissed me off so much, I basically told them they can go fuck themselves and did so for almost almost 15 years. I never went back. Way to commit. Had zero interest in ever going back yeah. until a friend of mine <coughs> says, no, look, there are new owners that are they're, they're not in it for money. It's, it's for the game again. And it, was a, it was a hard sell, but he sold me on it. This is back when when Eric and them. Yes, yeah. that, that that was he, he was brought in because that was his. That was the special projects was the I want to do the stuff you can't do at home. No, he and, ran games for Origins and Gen Con and stuff. I mean, he's been in the industry forever doing conventions. Oh yeah, yeah. John's not new to this. Yeah, but and that, but his thing is he was looking for he he went to his circle of friends to help him do that at con, and so then I got into that sense and then saw that okay, look, they are actually. It's kind of crazy because then he. Did that, and then we uh, people started actually started just taking other positions yeah. at con, and everybody was going, oh, "John's filling this convention with his people." Yeah, that's yeah, there, was, there was some concern there for a while because it was literally it was we all would just play these giant games and have a lot of fun. People, and all of a sudden, it's like, well, suddenly one of them's running the dealer room, one's in charge of miniatures, one's an RPG, and one's this and one's that, and they're all just kind of filtered through all these people. And special projects kind of fell by the wayside, but now yeah, we're... Yeah, well, we lost all our people. <laughs> There's nobody to do it There's anymore. There's nobody to do it anymore. But that's what it was. We were just looking for help. But if you want to do special projects, man, come and give us yeah, a What is special projects? Special projects is basically an organization that dedicates itself to running games at conventions that would that are impossible or very... Or logistically impossible to run at home. Things that are large format, things that are very creative and unique, mm-hmm. things that aren't generally sort of like uh, big ticket... Uh, yeah, that, that midway example. Okay, that midway game was basically born from that. Okay, so the original concept we did is General Quarters is a World War II naval game. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's played at twenty four hundred scale. So you fit an entire naval fleet on a four by four table. <coughs> okay, we play at six hundred scale. So when we were play testing it, we used this entire backyard. We had model ships. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah it's, it's, huge. it's huge. A battleship is this literally this large. Wow. And the gun range is thirty feet. So what we would do is we would, crazy. and this is back when the con was still regrowing back up to its roots. So they had floor space. They give us a forty by forty block. We'd roll out blue, <laughs> like they were double stitched blue sheets. Yeah. This is our ocean, and this corner is the Americans. This corner is the Germans or the British and Japanese or whoever was fighting that particular game. And then 
everybody who walked up who said, hey, this is cool. Hey, great. Here's your ship. Here's your stuff. Here's how the rules work. Here's we ended up getting thing. a small following of people that would look for those games yeah. all the time. And we would run Mustangs and Messerschmitts. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But basically, exactly, you put a little right? plane on a stick with these wheels, nice. and it's a hyper, hyper realistic simulation mm-hmm. of air combat. Because you've got it's really? three, in three yeah. dimensions. If yeah, you're it's oh, so you like it goes change up. the altitude. Yep. And, it's marked yeah. on the stick for the altitude. And actually, your orientation of your plane actually makes a difference to the kind of maneuver you can do. It's, it's oh, yeah. incredibly in it, it was hyper realistic. So you're pulling Himmelmans and all sorts of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, and you know, we had a sheet of, in if 3D you want to do this, wow. this is how you do it. And it was a lot of fun. And But the problem was, though, is the people who were running all this stuff ended up doing other stuff. As spots opened up, it's like they saw that it, it takes a different kind of person to want to volunteer and then go up. Anybody right. can come and run a game. And you know what? And that's fine because I get, I've got a list in my That's all bread and home. butter, man. I mean, yeah. people that just want to come and run games. I have 90 different GMs who have worked with me in the past six years that they show up, they have their spot, they run their game. At the end of it, they go play something else or whatever else. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's great. And some people want to do more. Some people want to get involved with the HQ stuff. They like the organization portion of it. You know, his wife is not a gamer. Mine isn't either. It, but, it, it but, happens. But she comes to con, sits behind my HQ, and... It helps and, out. No, no, no. no. Help out is not the word. That is not the word I would use. I could not do this anymore without her. Oh, <laughs> see, that's cool. No, she she runs the the painting contest and stuff. She yep. and you know she's uh, she just loves it because of the people. Because I was uh, going to say I love the game. I even like to GM, but I would not want to run a do anything in the con. I, mean, I wouldn't say that she's not a gamer, muscle. man. She used to hang out with Activision employees and play L five R and Dungeons and Dragons with those guys all the time. And she's no, a she, closet gamer. She's, she's a, you know, she, no, she, she larped she, a lot too. Yeah, yeah. And she, but she did play in the Five Rings game and yeah. and she, lots of computer gaming. So she's not totally. Yeah. But but when she goes to con though, the majority of her time is she likes help. She helps me out to a huge benefit, and then basically finds all the really fun games that Jim's running, <laughs> or the, in his department and goes down there and plays those. Yeah, I pull her out. But that's the thing though. But but you know, and that's and that's where we all started just running stuff, and then those of us who wanted to get a little more involved because it was going the right direction did. And those well, yeah, who did, I think that's what did. it was. I think that there there was a core group of us. Uh, I mean, from our group of friends, are of council, Paul Thompson, one of my high school friends. Mike runs miniatures. I run RPGs. Uh, the, the guy who ran, formerly ran the uh, the vendor room. Uh, uh, the the girl that runs the t-shirts uh, are all part of our core group of mm-hmm. friends. People that we hang out with all the time. And uh, and we weren't as involved in the convention uh, until fairly recently. But it, what it was is that we saw that the energy of this convention was going in the right direction. Uh, we saw that there was extreme present- potential for uh, really positive growth. And, and that if we really wanted to see that really happen, we had to take personal responsibility. Yeah. That's, that's funny because that's what I was going to say. I mean, you guys seem really passionate about gaming. It's obvious you guys love it. And how do you balance that and then the responsibilities? Because I could see how it could not be fun with the day-to-day logistics of running the con. How do you, how do you keep it fun for you? Easy. I could see it could because be a Because other people oh. are having fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. I uh, literally, you don't understand, man. I mean, it's it's... From what from when we took over and just how small the the con had turned into when we took over, and, and really started getting involved, I, I had a a, a a department a little before he did. Not much though, because honestly, Jim was a natural hit for RPGs. But just seeing how it was there to where it is now, on a Saturday I can sit in my HQ. Every table I have in my space, all forty two tables, is going to be full at noon on Saturday. 
and I can sit there and look at my space and see wall-to-wall people. Look the what other I half, have done. The other half of my room is board games, which yeah. is very much the same on Saturday. I know for a fact that upstairs, his 2 o'clock slots are all gone. Right. And board, open games, gaming, and board games is well, Open gaming is huge. Open gaming has been... The thing is, it got to the point where open gaming was just that spot where we didn't have anything else to do. To now, open gaming has people who actually run it. It's yeah. their job to watch the room and take care of this stuff, and it's its own area now, and it's packed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's that. It's just being just sit back and say, okay, I was involved, I was part of the organism that allowed all these people to have and come and have a good time. Does it for me. It's, that, that, it's, it's the job well done. And the core is de- also delegation, uh, at least for me. Yeah, uh, well, me too. I think that's key. Uh, I, I, it I really is that. to the point where I, I sort of fine-tune the machine so where the mechanism is set to run, I just sort of pull a switch. And it sort of just happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I have to do generally during con is put out fires. And that generally happens mostly Friday because that's when the initial everybody coming in asking questions happens. I don't have my badge or, right. or you know, what room that I, am I in, all those general questions. And then at the end when there are payouts and when, when you have the, basically the, the, the sort of like bits of paperwork you have to do at the yeah. very end of the con. You're just sort of running around asking, trying to get Victor or Eric to sign something. Um, but other than, other than that, other than answering questions and putting out fires, the machine runs, and well, I don't really have to... It's almost like there's three separate cons going on, and you guys do a good job of maybe compartmentalizing it. There's the RPG section, there's the board game section, then there's like the miniature war games things. Yeah, well, and, actually, there's even more than that, though, and, too. And, and they're trading, even on... Trading card games. All well, right, there's that, <laughs> and they're all almost on different levels, and these. you guys have done a really good job of compartmentalizing it, but oh, yeah. still making it a unified con. Well, yeah, actually, Tim Keenan, who is our... We like to call him our master of time and space. He, uh... <laughs> the operations manager. He's the operations <laughs> manager and basically schedules rooms and, and makes sure that all of our, our facilities' needs are met. And um, he is just a genius dude and also somebody that's very committed to the hobby in general and works really hard to um, uh, sidestep egos and, and, and egos, yeah, really? egos and and fiefdoms and and and, and personal needs and, and tries to take a very broad. Uh, look at the way that the space and the time is allotted, and uh, he's done a fantastic job with uh, very few resources. Uh, you know, he's the guy that I go, "Oh my God, I overbooked. I have too many games on Saturday. I need a room for something." And he's the one that does the juggling and tries. I mean, to... and, and you guys, you guys, this con's unique because you run three cons a year, basically. Yeah, I yeah mean, you guys just don't stop. You uh, roll off of one into another. It's only what three months in between. Well, there's the, the ha- half the year. There's a three month break, and then the half the year, then we've got the long six month break. And yeah, we, yeah. we the, I mean, it's it's almost back to back to back to back that you guys are constantly having to like, all right, regroup. No, seriously, it's literally like a week after. I mean, Stu will enter his game literally a week after the previous con. Has, yeah. Has ended. Well, usually what happens is like you come up with an idea. You, you're at con, you get inspired, and then you write right. something in. And then as soon as he, it's up, I vote he books it his hotel room and he checks out. I do. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't wait for the block. No, I asked for the, like I said. I asked for the time off in, in in year chunks. When the con is over, I asked for the time off for the for yeah. the con that's at the back end of that. I, I have a standing deal with my boss that says, look, if I don't have these days off from work, I will have had a headache that starts here and encompasses my entire head on these days. And if I happen to be on the road those days, I will be on a plane the Wednesday before. Just letting you know. <laughs> no way. I put it to my boss is. Um, I'm not going to find another composition. I can find another shitty job elsewhere. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, Tomes wants to know when are you going to add November Con? 
Because that what? would that would like th- that get would rid of November. Yeah, it's called Kingdom Con in San Diego, and if we go to that one, we're going to play and stuff. So that's the go. way it works. Yeah, that's your vacation. There you go. All right, but I highly recommend Kingdom Con. It's 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 a great con. I've been there a couple of times. It's, it's a really fun con. So I want to ask you guys if we're winding it up. Maybe mm-hmm. do you guys have a like a greatest moment or even a horror story that you guys can share from your cons? You, you leave out the names to protect the innocent, but do you? Uh, do you have we especially some, like horror stories. We love horror stories. Schadenfreude. There was a guy that was lifted and stuff. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. A, well, that. give us one of both. How's that? That way you can balance. You can have the yin with the yang. You got a really terrible horror story. Well, my, okay. My, my favorite good story is. So, are you familiar with Circus Maximus at all? Uh-uh. No? Other yeah. than the... The flip, it, flip, uh, flip? Yeah. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Circus Maximus was the game that... It was a like a mid-70s Avalon, Avalon Hill game about circus chair yeah. racing. And this guy, when I was a kid, would show That's up... That's right. That's yes, the one. Exactly. Right, right. It came out when Boot Hill came out. And yeah. Well, and well, this guy, he created the Hippodrome. I mean, it was a beautiful-looking model, and he would have all these things. Well, the game was meant for eight players. He played it with 24. And one of his house rules was... because. The primary way of be- getting people... suicidal. It is suicidal. <laughs> well, but the thing is, the, the primary way of getting somebody out of the game was to basically make their cart flip. And right. Before they make the okay. roll, everybody at the table would chant, flip, 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 do, as loud as they possibly do can. Do the Ben-Hur, right. yeah. And it's fantastic because it was one of the few games as a kid that would draw a crowd. Sure, it's super it's, interactative. Yeah, it's super fun. Ah! And we have that, and, and it's funny because we brought it back. That guy retired. We brought it back. Well, when we were at the Sheridan, we were in the pit way over by registration in the corner, and nobody cared. Now we're in the main ballroom with board games. They care. They care a lot. <laughs> oh, the complaints we get we about. We are trying to, to decide which Catan card we are going to be flipping over your lips. <laughs> I have I've almost had that exact conversation. <laughs> we're trying to concentrate here. <laughs> How dare you have fun in our presence. I, yeah, it, it sounds a little bit like, remember the game Pit? Yes. The funny thing is, is so the board game guy... He he doesn't care because he's he's if people are having fun he does he's not worried about it but he keeps threatening to run Pit opposite us <laughs> and so I found a copy of Pit complete with Bell in the flea market and I have it just in case he ever makes good on it is it oh, out of print because I think I have one at home no it, it's, no no they they brought still... it back recently yeah. with the Bell okay yeah. but this is one of the original ones right. that had it but but at the time it was hard to find yeah okay but we got that, it with it, the that's Bell. an old game it's a great five game. bucks it's a great so. game but I mean that that game's from like. Dude, it just goes to show you the freaking auction at this convention. Dude, if anything else, if you're a fan of board games or just games oh, yeah. in general. The well, flea market crap and auction. Just, and the auction, yeah. The flea market. The stuff that you'd find in those places is just it's It's, it's pretty amazing. i got to say that the problem is... is Eric couple, bought the con because of that yes, auction. That's that primarily, yeah, I think so. And the problem is I've worked the auction as a cashier a couple of times. And it's just I'm trying not... I don't need more stuff. <laughs> And, it, and there's Look a whole lot of there's, there's a lot of <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I should bid on that I kind of want to bid on that and yeah it's it's, it's you, crazy you're a minis guy you know you have a problem you've embraced it you've you've turned your problem into into your career because that's the thing about minis is about the collectability and the customization you've got them all it's a thing yeah it is a thing <laughs> but so Circus Maximus just angers a lot of people and uh, um it, like. <laughs> There's a lot of acrimony <laughs> around it on some, but on the other hand, there's a lot of people who love that game so much. There are yeah. people that just go to that convention just for that game. Just for that game. See, and that, okay, that's cool. So that was a horror totally cool. story? Well, the horror story, well, the part I like about it is the fact that, so, I mean, I got tired of fielding complaints about it, so now I just put a sign up that says, please complain about it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the, the most recent thing that actually really brought sort of like, uh, 
let's say just filled my heart really uh, was uh, Weasel Creature's wife Lily, uh, who just a few cons ago was her very first con, mm-hmm. and then the con right after, she ends up running this fantastic game that everybody was in loves. It. Fearless. Yeah. Fearless. She was, she was absolutely fearless, and I had no idea that she hadn't run games before. She was so good at it. And that that kind of thing just makes me so insanely she, happy. She was running uh, Muppets of Madness, which was a Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. I'm sorry, and the Muppet Muppets Theater. of Madness? Yes. Love it. Yes. Love it. Yes, and, and not only that, you had to put, not, I didn't realize this, but we had to put on a show, so we had to schedule the show and come up with the acts in the show. So I'm pulling for my Muppet canon, like, uh, all right, because I was playing Kermit. So I had to pull in all these, like, so now I had to structure the show as well as this Cthulhu thing going on while the show is, while we're trying to get the show together. <laughs> Genius. Awesome. Just the Muppets of Madness. A unique, <laughs> unique, well-executed, entertaining game that brought disparate elements together. This is an advanced game, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And to have somebody just sort of come in from their experience at this convention and run something like that, I, I, I can't tell you how happy that makes me, and I want everybody coming into that place to have a similar experience to basically just come in here three or four three or four years ago there was a guy who came in and sat in on a happy jacks game he was a journalist and then the next con he was running a game he was running cat Mm. because he had so much fun with exploring this whole thing so he did decided for and uh, cats this cool little role-playing game where you play cats right right it's a john wick game isn't it it might be the the safeguards of 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 keeping the supernatural out of the Mm -hmm. mortal realm the cats are are kind of like that stephen king uh uh, novel where the cats were. Oh, never mind. Anyway, right? Yeah. So it was the same kind of thing. It's like he he caught the bug. He got it. He went in there as a you know as a journalist and was like, this is this is really fun. No one of these people this. keep going showing up here. Yeah, exactly. And 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 people just go. I had a point about the circus. Yes. But anyways, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Okay. Okay. So and so back to the point about families playing. So we get these because you know you're usually in a team in in circus maximus in theory. Whether or not that, that happens, that your, both your chariots have a similar colored flag, and that's where it begins three. and ends. Teams of, <laughs> it's teams of three in theory, mm-hmm. and so there was one game where I was running where two things happened that really made me love that game so much, and was really sorry to not run it anymore. Is that there's one group, and it was a guy, his wife, and I think his brother, and they were playing as a group, and there's another one who, who are now some of my, my 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 hardcore volunteers. It's the the husband, the wife, and the kid, and the daughter was playing. The son wasn't playing. And so Sophie on, the Blood Queen. So <laughs> she ends up going through, and she was, I think, nine at the time, and was just absolutely just just a maniac. Invested, right? And that became it became the joke, and she took out so many people that they named her the Blood Queen. She started just wrecking the place, just everybody. These so we called her Sophie old. the Blood Queen. Wow. And so the, the very next con, as I'm as as their name pops up as a pre-reg, that's her badge name, Sophie the Blood Queen, which makes me laugh to no end. The other one <coughs> the story is. So this other guys, they're playing and they're, and they're kind of keeping it on themselves a little bit. And all of a sudden, the one guy, the husband, comes up and just drills some dude and takes him out of the game. And we're like, wow, that's a pretty good shot. But he hadn't done much the whole game. And then as he takes this guy out, he turns his sheet over and crosses a name off his list. Because that guy had gone after his wife. And we're like, he has a hit list. Wow. I love this game. <laughs> wow. Anyway, that's just awesome. And it's just stuff like that. And these are people who, they're, they're not, they just showed up, sat down and played the game. It so reminds me of Jay's story where he got assaulted by those guys in that alley, you remember? Oh, yeah. I don't where... have to kill everybody. I just have to kill you. <laughs> looks, like, looks like you guys are going to beat me up. Yeah, the, the, the original like proprietor of Dark Force Games where we all met was... Yeah, crazy. I'll it's absolutely crazy. insane. He's, he went through every single Ted Offensive, and he told me without any hesitation and, and total sincerity in his eyes, 
I'm very glad I went to Vietnam because I got to kill a lot of people. I need to get that out of my system. <laughs> yeah, that was Jay in a nutshell. He was... Yikes. He was, in, he was his own cat. Yeah, he would tell the story about how he got mugged by a group of guys in this alley, and they're, like, sitting around him, and they have bats or whatever, and they're like, a, so this guy's going to beat me up pretty bad. Hell, he might even kill me. But before you do, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> with, with a thousand-yard stare of somebody that's taken life. Did it work? They yep. totally worked. They all backed off. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Wow. Uh, uh, he was. He was a. Oh man. Yeah. Jay, uh, Jay was. May he rest in peace. The, the problem is horror stories, though. See, the problem with horror stories is. Yeah, most, I don't want to put you guys in the spot. Well, no, because honestly, from from at least from our standpoint, most of the horror stories we have, I mean, it's like hotel issues. It's like, uh, oh, right. I have one that was a horror story that turns hilarious and it will apply to a role playing context. Okay. So this is back to Tim's credit. Okay, so. Uh, one day the hotel comes to us and says, oh yeah, hey, we totally forgot. We have this recurring group that comes in on every <laughs> other Sunday, and it's a church choir group, and this is their practice area. They get a little tiny They're room. like a Baptist church choir mm-hmm. group. Okay, so this isn't at this current con. This is like at, another... at, at this hotel. At this hotel, okay. but not this con. This was, right. I don't know, two, three years ago. Okay. Yeah. A Baptist church choir practices on Sunday? At the yeah, Hilton? Weird, right? Yeah. Hmm. But it was late. It was, it, was late. it was later in the evening. So oh, maybe the after night. church. Mm. Right. Okay. It was in the evening. We, <laughs> it was like, long at the LAX was, okay. Hilton. All right. Yeah, I don't know. But, the, but that's their group. They do this thing, and, then that, and that's their practice space. And okay. It's a very small room, but it was a room that we had slated something else. So Tim had to shuffle around and figure out how to make it work. And and as it turns out, right as we started, he was laughing his ass off. I go, dude, what? He goes, I just realized what's next to them, a Call of Cthulhu lark. That could be so awesome. What a soundtrack. They if you loved know, it. I bet. <laughs> they thought it was the greatest thing ever, and it was almost accidental. The Call of Cthulhu people loved it, or the choir loved it? The Call of Cthulhu people loved it. Okay. I, don't know the choir, I, don't, I don't know what the choir was doing. They were doing their thing, but they said it fit. It managed to fit the situation perfectly, which was something amazing. That, that but yeah. Oh, yeah, if you're hearing that, it's yeah. going to influence everyone at the table. And it's going to, even if the adventure wouldn't have fit a bunch of gospel music, it's going to. By the time you're done. Gregorian chants are really what I want to play right. when I'm doing my uh, Call of Cthulhu. Oh. They have them, in the, have them in the room next to the vampire log. But as far as total horror stories, um, we're getting to the point where we're getting big enough where... Every there, day is a horror story. There's, there are people that just basically do not belong in a social group and they need to be removed. And we've had a couple of situations. That, that always happens whenever... A group it, it's a critical mass thing, yeah. Yeah, it's a critical mass thing. And, and really, that's probably the most unfortunate part of it. <laughs> I, I got a good horror story, though. Go for it. Okay. Uh, Sheridan. Okay. Uh, we're playing Artemis. You remember that one? This is the Star Trek bridge game. Where are you? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You play all the different okay. on the PCs. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. this is back when I first started the Sheridan. And we're sitting there and we're having a good time. I think I don't think it was our turn yet. We're hanging out in there and all of a sudden we hear <coughs> it. It sounded like uh, it, it was a, it was just some sort of a, a commotion outside, breaking glass, all kinds of crazy stuff. So we run out of the room and what had happened was is the LARPers were trying to move furniture upstairs, and at the Sheraton the tables because they had those big I don't remember the Sheraton but they had like the the tall chairs with the walls, the privacy chairs yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, they all had tables between them with glass on them, and they tried taking them up the stairs, and yeah. And dropped one. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. So all you hear is the constant tinkling of glass going down the escalator. <laughs> I think I remember that. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember that too. I remember that one. I think I remember long after, but there was like little bits of glass. Yep. Yeah, I for think a I long that. time. It's like we, every time I'd walk up, I go like, oh, uh, haven't quite got it all yet. <laughs> but see stuff like that. I mean, it's it's because the majority of the of the of the real stuff is just like. Uh, space issues, yeah, or but, you know what? That's really not even a big deal. Yeah, it's like usually what we've it's gotten a, really good at rolling with punches, man. Exactly. It's it, 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 the first couple of times it's a little difficult, but you sort of catch on to you know what outside resources you have available to you. You're not just fixed with the resources that you have. There, 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 there are conversations that can be had, <coughs> and until you figure out you know what the the wiggle room outside of your normal track is, that's the difficult part. Once you actually Develop a dialogue with people like him, and that's like that. and not only that is there's a certain degree, you know, for those of you who want to run your own convention, there is a certain degree of autopilot after a certain point. Yeah. Okay. As long as you're in the same location, kind of doing the same thing, even if you grow, it's it's fairly straightforward. Like at this point, we know who is general area, who's doing what, and a lot of that stuff is already laid in stone. You you can adapt if you need to, but a lot of times you don't need to. Right. So and that yeah. and that really does help, and so. The first while at the Hilton, it was real tricky, especially because when we first moved in there, you know, role playing was downstairs in the other in the three, three rooms, you know, and over time that changed. Well, it turns out, well, Adventures League just that, that space suits them better. Okay, so yeah, they the way they muster it just works better for them. Yeah, it just it just fits their profile way a lot better than it did before, and so then we end up shuffling stuff around, but then very quickly. We've all kind of settled into our area. My stuff doesn't move. The only thing that changes in my area is my table layout. Board games doesn't change for them at all either. You know, so it's just... Much it changes all the up in time. It kind of brings up a thought with me, closing this out, but um, was the hotel shocked at all about the amount of people that you brought into this? Because uh, the Boggarts had a... Had, we, we did a gig once, and we kept, we warned people. We're like, we're going we're gonna to bring a lot of people and buy a lot of beer, <coughs> you know, get ready. And they were like, oh, no, we, we've done this before. Yeah, right. yeah, fine. And no, they had to go out and order more and bring and keep coming in. Were they prepared for the amount of geeks that, that we're going were to send upon them? Uh, because when we moved to the Hilton, that's when our numbers really started pumping yeah, the, up. The growth was more an issue for us because then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, we got to find a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. No, we were like, oh great, now we have like this new hotel. We have you know a thousand well, square feet. Yeah, more. Had, it was literally it was, it was, it was ten thousand more square feet, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just just in total square footage over what we had at the Sheridan, which is even larger than what we had at the Rad, well, yeah, Radisson. Radisson, yeah, it was Radisson. Yeah. Um, and you'd be surprised how quickly that stuff filled up. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh shit, we're out of room. Okay, well now yeah. we got to start being smart about it. And 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 so there's that. But the hotel itself, I think they're more surprised. The part that I love is our first couple times that we were there, just watching the security staff walk through the room and go, "What the hell are all these people doing here?" Yeah. You know, and, and they're very cool about it. Right, well, because there's no problems. I'm, I'm assuming that, you know... No, with, with no but, of... they, but, they, but like, I, I got to be really good buddies with, with the head of security uh, when we first got to the Hilton because he thought miniatures are flashy and showy and mm-hmm. cool, and he's always like, well, what do you guys got going on? Oh, we've got World War II over here, and this is Future, and this is Ancients, and this is this, and this is that. And he just loved walking through, but they were more surprised. Like, there really is a lot of people here for it. Saturdays especially. I mean, mm-hmm. that's... Saturdays are... are <laughs> It'd be crazy there, but yeah, there's and they're just. I think that 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 once they realize the sheer amount of throughput that we bring in, that's when the, that's when they started wanting to make their money on the food. Yeah, that's a whole uh, other issue, and that's a whole but... other issue too. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I think that the the hardest thing for us in general is is the is the space issue and the venue issue, just because we have such 
particular needs, like we're a 24-hour con, we need, mm-hmm. you know, we need a few places that can actually lock up overnight. Yeah, it's not, it's not like it's you're getting a thousand doctors in and you just need a couple of lecture halls where people talk, exactly. drone on it, and on it, for it, eight it, hours. Yeah. It's like and, you know. and, that, and that was early, early conversation with the hotel, too, just about the space, where it's like, well, what do you guys need? Well, we need this many tables and this many chairs. And they're like, what? Yeah, exactly. It's what like, you, you know, or, or, or the fact that, I mean, I use risers, like those biggest stage risers. Well, we use them as gaming tables. Right. So, you know, they have them set up. There's never any table chairs around. No, no, I need chairs. We're going to play something. This is going to be used for that. And that's yeah. early on, they were just, they were not they prepared. They caught on now, though. Oh, no, now now they're hip to it. But early on, they were just not prepared to the unconventional way that we're going to use the space. Yeah, unconventional us. usage. And, and Exactly right. Because I don't think that they have any event that even comes close to No, I get that. Time. It's a really unique thing. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, hell, we've had a wedding there. <laughs> At the con? At the con. A oh. con-related wedding. They have the BDSM con there. Oh, that's the dungeon story. That's the other dungeon story. So, okay, so although we're not allowed or supposed to call it the dungeon because of the negative connotations, uh, the weekend before GameX at that same <coughs> hotel is DomCon. At the Hilton at, at LAX? At the Hilton at LAX. And DomCon happens downstairs in the dungeon. You mean so, the lobby? Foyer. The, the, yeah, the, the lobby. lower lobby. Lower right. lobby. But then again, I think it's appropriate if they call it a dungeon. That, that's that's my guess. I didn't ask, but I just think that's that's hilarious to me. It that's funny. That. But my my guess is, is it the hotel that requested that it not be called the dungeon? No, that's more an upper management thing, just because oh. the negative content. Because honestly, it's you know people. There's that. Well, I don't want to go. We don't want people to feel like they're sequestered downstairs. Like, well, that's where we put people who smell funny. Right. It's not. It just happens to be where these we, games we go. Get, no, actually, when you're looking at that, that yeah, RPGs that, started there when they moved. Well, what was there. the RPGs? There was a. I think when we did our, our one of our podcasts, there was like this weird room. Oh yeah, because the the, oh, the pipes the, burst in Santa Monica City. Yeah. That's right. In the that's catacombs. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was deep in the depths of the underground. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even know. I don't, that was I don't that even was that area that right by the the gym, right? Yeah, right next to the mind flare. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. All right. Landed there. I guess that would be another good crisis too. That we killed one day. And I was, oh yeah, you can't use this room by the way because pipes burst and the room is is filled with water. Yeah, and it's actually a good room for larping because I think it didn't have a patio. Is that something? No, it weird? didn't have a patio. It couldn't have a patio. No, it, it was I underground basically. Yeah. Was it was the, it had a big mirror. It was a gym. Was, what it was. Basically, what it looked to me like one of those uh, like a like an exercise aerobic studio, room, right? yeah. aerobic studio. Yeah. Yeah. It was because that's, that's another thing too. That when we first started moving there, we were looking at the floor plans, and now Jim and I trying to find a good spot for his for role playing. Looked at these 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 drawings of their floor plan and go. This would be perfect for this 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 and this. And we go down and look at it, and they had never updated it when they did their. Right. It's like this is all. That's all now the gym. Oh yeah, well, shit! There goes that, that idea. When we did that room. I don't think it had been updated since like 1983. Yeah, I or something. doubt it. It was like it was weird. Right. Yeah, their their maps are all wrong. That's that's another just logistics thing to overcome. It's like yeah, your drawings are all incorrect. <laughs> but before we go, yeah, February 17th through 20th. Orcon. Yep. Hilton LA. Next weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend. Tell a friend. Very yeah. exciting. I think I still think you guys need to get an orc mascot that walks around. <coughs> Poor uh, orcon. Orcs are kind of hard to find nowadays. They are. Although we did have the alien stand-up comic guy. Did you ever see him? No. It I forget his name. You can look him up. I forget. But that's a shtick. He's a stand-up comedian. I think he was on Last Comic Standing, I think. Or one of those comedy shows. But yeah, that's his whole shtick is he gets up, he cosplays as an alien, and his brand of humor is how different things are on Earth versus where he comes what from. What a and country! Yeah, very beautiful. Is Yakov Smirnoff or make believe alien? He's a little gray or oh, green. Oh Jesus! <laughs> well, you gotta have Soviet your own SETI Alpha Five. <laughs> <laughs> it's Arturian Putang. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right. 
All right. Thank you for joining us for season 18, episode 17 of Happy Chicks Review Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm Jim. I'm Mike. And uh, we'll see you uh, next. We won't be doing a show on Friday night. Next week, live, will be on Saturday. Saturday. We probably won't stream it. Although we'll we might try again. We might try again. Santa Monica C before you text me. Santa Monica C. Yeah. Is where it will be, 8 p.m. on Saturday next week. Second floor. We'll just buffer it by 30 minutes or something and trickle it out slowly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. That would work. And then we'll just wait for the chat room. (laughs) So what did you guys think? For 15 minutes. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. And let me put my anthem out. Where's my anthem? There it is. Come on. Go, go. Why problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make? Go away, Baton. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light.